Hey, this is Abby Martin. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. One quick plug before we go over all the Epstein madness um, is that Gaza Fights for Freedom is finally up online. Go to Vimeo and you can rent it or buy it and have it streaming forever. Um, go to GazaFightsForFreedom.com to check it out. Uh, sign up to either screen it yourself or be a part of this nationwide tour that I'm planning in the next couple months to be in person at these theater screenings um, across the country and Canada. So I'm really excited about that. I, I really just cannot wait to hear everyone's feedback. Um, it's been, you know, I've been meticulously working on this for the last year. I've never worked so hard on anything in my life and I've just extremely proud of it. So please let me know what you think and check it out today. Really excited for you. And uh, I've been doing a few new live streams off my own YouTube channel, uh, which is a very heavy agenda. Anybody can watch them live as they're going. I'll announce them on Twitter, reserving the recorded streams for patrons only. So if you want to watch some of those, you can go to patreon.com slash Robbie Martin. For the last month or so, we've been talking about how we're going to do an Epstein podcast, going through all the bizarre threads that have been unraveling since his case got propelled back in the spotlight. We decided to put it on hold um, because, you know, the biggest thing was that he, quote unquote, killed himself, Robbie, <laughs> committed suicide, right? On August 10th, 2019, uh, Jeffrey Epstein was found dead in his cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in New York. Um, probably one of the most high-profile deaths and mysterious deaths in history, you know, considering the circumstances. So Definitely the most high-profile, suspicious death probably in my lifetime. In our parents' lifetime, it was probably like Martin Luther King, JFK, some of those people. But this is like the most suspicious death that's happened in my lifetime where it seems like unanimously everyone from the most mainstream media person you can imagine to like you know even just like random comedians uh everybody celebrities are all saying that he did not commit suicide that he was murdered in a jail cell so it's almost like another one of those when the normies go truther moments when everybody is all saying the same thing pretty much you know, even though there's some attempts to shame people right now for like conspiracy theorizing about his death, it seems like for the most part, the mainstream media is like very much feeding into that he was not suicidal and didn't commit suicide. So that's really an interesting thing that's happening right now. That is really interesting. I didn't realize the mainstream media was going down that road. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. The fallout after his death was quite fascinating. People dispelling conspiracy theories. Or people saying, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this is crazy, you know, like as if all conspiracies are just, you know, a very binary view of the world and how it works. I mean, conspiracies are a daily common occurrence with everyone in the world. You know, everyone conspires at one point or another to do something. So it's just absurd to kind of poo-poo the notion of conspiracy theories existing. But in this case, it, it has been really interesting to see everyone kind of lead with that precursor like i'm not a conspiracy theorist normally but this yeah. makes no sense or you know people saying what i think is really funny is you know hours after jeffrey epstein was um found dead people saying oh it's irresponsible to allege he didn't kill himself 
Um, what's way more common, you know, I saw Shane Bauer come right out of the gates with this, oddly enough, <laughs> saying, you know, it's really irresponsible. And oddly enough, didn't, wasn't he a prison guard, <laughs> like, quote unquote, embedded in the, oh, yeah. the, the criminal justice system? But like people like him saying, like, it, you're super irresponsible. We should just automatically paint Epstein as just another victim of the criminal justice system's failings. Really? Of course, a, a fucking guy like that. I mean, the the infamous Iran, <laughs> Iranian hiker. I mean, it's funny because he's actually left in the dust right now. Because like I was saying, mainstream media people, even the Washington Post just released an article saying he had neck bones broken, which seems highly unlikely for a case of strangulation, wow. self-strangulation. This is all mainstream media. So, But at the same time, you have to also question, why is a mainstream media greasing the skids for this too? It's a little odd. It's unusual. For them to do that, um, but we're we're living in such a weird era that any you know I guess nothing really surprises me anymore. You know we definitely waited a little too long. We held off the Epstein podcast too long. We didn't realize I don't think how likely it was that he would die in jail. It almost seemed like a miracle that he had been arrested again and charged with such severe charges. Everyone just assumed he was a free man forever and that he was in a protected elite. So. I guess it was naive of us to, you know, not start counting down the days and be like, damn, he survived this long. Holy shit. Like he's not dead yet. How is that possible? So now that he's actually dead, I guess I'm just realizing how naive it was to think he would survive in prison. I mean, if all this right. is really true, that this that he has all this dirt on all these elites. I mean, of course, there, he was going to have to be killed in some way or gotten rid of, you know, and I don't know how what happened, yeah. but I, I don't think it's unreasonable or, or crazy at all just to think that he was murdered, especially now that we're getting this autopsy report information out. No, it's absolutely not crazy to allege that he was murdered. It's extremely likely. Um, Michael Moore had a funny tweet kind of corroborating this saying, you know, rich people do not know how to drive their own cars. They don't know how to do their own laundry and they sure as hell don't know how to tie knots and nooses. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, then you can look at people like inmates who are actually in the same center, um, like this one inmate who talked to the New York Post on the condition of anonymity, where he says um, there is absolutely no way in hell that Epstein killed himself. He says, quote, between the floor and the ceiling is like eight or nine feet. There's no way for you to connect anything. You have sheets, but they're like paper level, not strong. This guy was 200 pounds. How could he have done this from the bed? No, there's a steel frame, but you can't move it. There's no light fixture. There's no bars. Um, then you also had another account coming from CBS News, and I think this was, I don't know if this is the original source, but another person from a adjacent jail cell saying there was shouting and shrieking coming from Epstein's cell. So, I mean, come on here. And what was that thing about the security camera? Just I don't know if they right. meant that the cameras like never recorded footage of his cell or that they happen to be right. off during that time or if the tapes don't have recordings at that time. It's not. I wasn't clear on exactly what happened there. But, yeah, there's no footage, allegedly, of what happened in his cell. That, that we know. And also what happened before this is two weeks ago, um, it was all over headlines that he was injured in his jail cell seemingly from an attempt to commit suicide by hanging. But it was right. weird that a lot of the headlines were very odd. They didn't say that directly. They were just like he was found with strangulation, like ligature marks on his neck. And they've now put him on suicide watch. 
but they didn't like overtly say that he had tried to do that he did it himself in a lot of the headlines and i just found that kind of unusual even Lori noticed that she's like why are these headlines so weird they're not saying like epstein attempt suicide put on suicide watch you know that's a very simple headline to write but that's not it was there was some confusion there as well what happened two weeks ago Right. Why was he taken off suicide watch? Why were the guards not there? Who, why did someone post on like 4chan or 8chan that he was dead before anyone else knew he was? Well, that is that. See, when I first saw that, I was like, that's bullshit. You know, more QAnon prediction. Oh, this is totally unbelievable. And then actual mainstream media news outlets had confirmed it. (laughs) Like, that someone somehow 45 minutes before Epstein's death or like official time of death. Let me actually try to read the actual quote here. Continue talking. I'll pull up the actual quote that they posted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this kind of reminds me of the case of the DC madam. Um, Anyone who has an extensive network like this that can implicate billionaires, um, politicians, princes. I mean, the list is so comprehensive and so wide-reaching. There's so many people who have motives to kill him, right? Yeah. Um, the question is who had the ability to reach a guard or someone in the prison to have done this, if that's indeed what happened. The Madame thing reminds me of him because, you know, she, before she, quote-unquote, offed herself, said, I will never kill myself. Um, if I die, someone killed me. Epstein rings to me like the kind of guy who would not kill himself. He is a fucking narcissistic egomaniac who assumed that his wealth would get him off. It had in the past. It doesn't matter what the charges that existed against him today and that were levied against him. He sees Bill Cosby. He sees Harvey Weinstein. I think that he honestly did think that he would probably serve a light sentence, maybe be in some posh like house arrest situation again because we know how these things work. And just get off eventually and be able to move to Europe and whatever. He was young. I think he was that's young. absolutely right. I, I don't, there's no indication that he suffered from depression or that he even had any guilt or remorse about what he had done. And we'll go into that later about how even after his first plea bargain um, was released from jail, right. he, was, he was pretty unapologetic. He thought of himself as some kind of martyr for this cause, which he believed in, which was the lifting the taboo on wanting to fuck underage girls. He actually seemed to very strongly believe in that paradigm. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not joking. I'll read quotes later. But just going no, back to what we were saying weren't. from 4chan, 38 minutes. This is from BuzzFeed. Um, BuzzFeed confirms this, that 38 minutes before the first tweet about Epstein's death from an ABC News reporter at 8.54 a.m., someone on 4chan posted... Don't ask me how I know, but Epstein died an hour ago from hanging. Cardiac arrest. Screen cap this. Very creepy. Who knows if that... I mean, it's possible that's a coincidence that someone randomly predicted that would happen. Fascinating, though. I mean, if he actually died an hour ago, then someone else from the inside could have also leaked this on 4chan, too. So who knows? If If the poster's right, that he died an hour before the posting then it's not that creepy. I mean, it's only creepy in the sense that why would this be the place where the first news of his death breaks? But there's been creepier things that have happened on 4chan and 8chan. So I guess in the bigger scheme of things, it's really not that creepy. Exactly. 
Exactly. What were you saying about the neck bones? Like, why does that not add up? The bone that broke in his neck was the hyoid bone, which is near the Adam's apple. And there's contradictory reports coming out right now. So I saw one report. So the Washington Post report is actually kind of insinuating that he might have been killed. The CNN report I'm reading right now makes it seem like forensic experts agree that's common from suicide. But other experts say that it's actually more common in homicide. And even then, it's not something that's like extremely common in homicide, that it's actually like not, it's pretty uncommon. So it's very rare in suicide, uh, according to some medical experts, and, and actually rare in homicides as well. It requires an incredible amount of strength, I guess, to break some of those bones. And from what we already know, I don't know if you want to read some of these details about how he hung. It seems to make even less sense about the amount of distance that he would have literally had to basically, do, and if you want to break this down, go ahead, but he basically would have had to have been kneeling on the ground. Part of the reason when people hang themselves that they do it from a chair or from a high spot mm -hmm. is so they do not have to force the strangulation themselves. They're letting gravity do it. So that's like why that's such a common method of suicide. It's like, it's actually hard to strangle yourself to death, like willingly. So that's why people make a noose, put a chair under them or jump off something so that the gravity does it for them. But in this case, it, it, it does seem impossible. There was a, what's that scene in The Wire where um, Stringer Bell has uh, Anton's cousin or nephew murdered in prison by making it look like he hung himself from a door? This is a common theme that's even popped up in like popular culture where people get assassinated in prison by making it look like it's a hanging. Um, this is like a trope. So are we confusing fact with fiction by assuming that this might have been what happened to him? Or is it, you know, based on the autopsy, based on what we know about this crime scene, does it even make sense? It really doesn't seem to make sense. And the suicide watch thing, I think, is one of the biggest things. If he really did have injuries and was found like unconscious in his room before around his neck, then he should have been on suicide watch. Very, very interesting, to say the least. Yeah, interesting reactions across the board. As you mentioned, the media kind of hinting to the fact that they also think that it was not suicide, like the official story claims. But of course, you have the partisan media, you know, it's Fox News and, and the like just talking about Bill Clinton, right? You have MSNBC and all these other liberal, neoliberal establishment media institutions that are kind of hoping that Trump will still be implicated in this. Yeah. Um, no one's kind of covering like the actual just bipartisan nature. And for good reason. Um, I mean, know, the mainstream I, media is not right. going to touch it because they're involved. Katie Couric, George right, Stephanopoulos, right. Charlie Rose, uh, dozens of like people deeply connected to the like mainstream media. Rupert Murdoch are all in Epstein's little yep. black book. Man. Yep. Um, one funny, one funny reaction though from Joe Scarborough. Of course, I don't know how he can really talk considering the dead intern found in his office. Um, I don't know if that <laughs> yeah. involved Putin or not too. Um, but he, you know, he said powerful Democratic and Republican figures breathing a huge sigh of relief, as well as a Harvard professor or two. Ew. But then he said this. He said a guy who had information that would have been destroyed, that would have destroyed rich and powerful men's lives, ends up dead in his jail cell. How predictably dot, 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 Russian. Yeah, what a fucking idiot. And let's just be straight here. It's very possible that Joe Scarborough murdered his own intern. If you look into the details of that case, it is extremely bizarre. 
his young, attractive intern was found dead in an office with like an extremely severe head injury. And the actual autopsy was conducted by a doctor who was exposed for fraud and got his medical license taken away. This shit's really suspicious. She died in his fucking office. But how hilarious how is it? How predictably Russian. How predictably Russian. And how hilarious is it, too, that people would be shamed here for thinking some kind of ruling class assassination happened to Epstein, deep state assassination, whatever you want to call it. But it's perfectly acceptable, and it's been perfectly acceptable for the last 10 years for everybody to say all these people in Russia had been poisoned, they've been assassinated. You know, one member of Pussy Riot goes to the hospital and exclaims all over the internet that they were poisoned by Putin. Turns out to be completely false. And that went all over mainstream media. And uh, it keeps happening, like, constantly. Anyone who mysteriously dies in Russia got assassinated by Putin. And that's totally exactly. normalized to talk about. But we're not allowed to exactly. talk about this. It's like, well, dude, sorry. R U.S. is way more corrupt than Russia is. But of course people are going to think this. That's what's interesting to me about all the Russia conspiracizing. Like, what did they think was going to happen with that? Do they think that was only going to make people focus on Russia? That might actually have helped people open their minds a little bit about to the, the corruption here. Like maybe some of these mysterious deaths here were assassinations. Um, it seems strange to try to pump people full of that paranoia and hoping it'll all be contained. Like maybe it even actually had the opposite effect. I don't know. Yeah, no, very good point. So let's jump into this. I mean, lead us through who Epstein was and... Who this man of mystery, this this billionaire pedophile sociopath? Well, yeah, he's had a very, let's just say he's had a very mysterious career. Um, for being a billionaire or a near near billionaire, um, I have spoken to people I know who've, who've worked in finance for a long time, um, people who have been very familiar with Epstein even before this arrest. And uh, one of them in particular said that it's actually a topic of discussion that comes up a lot among his like fellow finance people. How did Epstein make all this money? It's a mystery. It, it's legitimately a mystery, even within the finance community. And it has been for a long time. So that's to me is interesting that this has been something that's sort of been rumored, like that every people really don't understand how he made all this money. There is a larger theory here that what he's really been doing this whole time has been running an elaborate blackmail operation. And when I say he's been running it, other people have would also allege that he's actually just a tool in it, that he's some kind of proxy um, blackmail guy for other ruling class factions or even intelligence agencies. So this goes... That's a super important point. Yeah, this goes very deep. It goes across the whole thing. And it, it really is one of those moments where it's like, maybe this is actually all real. Maybe he is operating as a proxy for some kind of blackmail operation. And we long have heard this sort of maybe more vague conspiracy theory that, you know, all the politicians are compromised by pedophile scandals. They all have dirt on them. That's how they're able to keep them in line. But with in Epstein's case, it wasn't just politicians. It was tons of people in media high up like other billionaires in finance, other oligarchs. I mean, his affiliation seemed to cross the entire spectrum. Like he had relationships and connections to powerful people in every sector that you can imagine. Right. Every industry. So it's it's not just 
oh, these are how they're blackmailing politicians. It appears that he may have been actually blackmailing not just politicians, but like dozens of like oligarchs and people from the ruling class as well. Puts a whole new spin on it. You know, and in some way you can maybe say that, oh, that's some kind of shell game or something like oligarch versus oligarch. But I think that this idea that he may have actually been a proxy for intelligence or even giving some of this information to intelligence agencies, selling it to them is very, very possible. And Whitney Webb, just to jump in there really quickly, Whitney Webb has done an incredible three-part series on Mint Press News, and we're, we're going to feature an interview with her um, as a follow-up to kind of dig deeper into the intelligence ties of Epstein's entire circle. Very, very fascinating stuff. And not just his circle, but other previous figures in history who have seemingly been performing the same role as Epstein on um, mm-hmm. these weird blackmail operations. This is from New York Magazine, which actually, if you want to read one single article about Epstein that goes through like all of his connections, read this New York Mag uh, article about his little black book. It's one of the most comprehensive ones out there. And in the article, they say, according to his former friend, the journalist Jesse Kornbluth, in the mid-1980s, Epstein said he, quote, worked for governments to recover money looted by African dictators. And occasionally, <laughs> and occasionally subcontracted to those same autocrats to help them hide their stolen money. So what he's already describing there is almost like deep state shenanigans on its face, that kind of behavior. And by deep state, I don't mean people in the government. I mean, like, there's a lot of private crossover with the, the so-called deep state. Th- this is not even going into, like, we'll talk about potential Mossad connections in a little bit, but his his basically his biggest most overt connection to what we know is potential intelligence is from a from a very recently leaked quote from a former labor secretary Alex Acosta who apparently said during the vetting process in the Trump administration he was actually asked by Trump's team about this plea deal that he is responsible for giving Epstein in the 2011 case and Acosta apparently said he was told to back off Epstein because he was intelligence. And that's Whoa. that was reported in mainstream news. That's very, very bizarre. We should take that at face value. But that yeah, and who told him to back off? You know, this is a big source of contention is the fact that he got this sweetheart deal by Trump's right hand man. It raises so many questions, Abby, not just who told him to back off, but also what kind of intelligence domestic foreign. Yeah. Yep. And if if domestic, what? NSA, CIA, what is it? Foreign? Is it the Mossad? Is it the MI6? I mean, what the fuck? Like, it's so, it really raises a lot of questions. And let's just go through some of the other strange facts about Epstein. I mean, first, we should say that there are over 80 allegations, uh, different women, over 80 different women making allegations against Epstein that they were either raped or molested by him. 80 different women. I mean, that's a very high number. He also served on the Council on Foreign Relations, um, a foreign policy think tank operating out of D.C. along with Henry Kissinger. He was just like a private figure that was just serving on the CFR? Yes, he was. Very strange. A roundup of some weird things that were found or discovered during his recent raid, they discovered when they raided his mansion, and I don't know if the police leaked this, they probably did, So according to the SDNY, 
This comes from New York Magazine again. It says, to bolster their argument, the SCNY was saying he was a flight risk because he had not only did he own private jets, but they also said, and they and they found this in the raid, that they found an expired Austrian passport under an alias that listed Saudi Arabia as Epstein's primary country of residence. And his own lawyers, this is fascinating, says that the fake ID was for the personal protection of an affluent member of the Jewish faith traveling in the Middle East. So so his lawyers are acting like it was used to like protect his Jewish heritage while like traveling the Middle East. He didn't want to get like punished, I guess, by, I don't know what, I mean, it makes very little sense. Um, Let's just put it that way. Wow. But, but New York Magazine, of course, says it also points to possibly one of his more secretive income sources. Anyone as rich as this guy who has a fake passport possibly got a forged passport. I'm sure that he had endless supplies of money to get someone to make one, but it's also something commonly given to intelligence assets. Fake passports are something very common in mm-hmm. intelligence. Mm-hmm. Once again, this is how those people operate, you know, and they're able to travel around the world. Um, they're given fake identities and fake passports. It's interesting too, that it was a Saudi address. Very interesting, right? And he has a very strange connection to a Saudi arms dealer who was involved in the Iran-Contra scandal named Adon Khashoggi. Uh, no relation to the Khashoggi um, guy who was murdered in the Saudi embassy recently. And we can get into that a little bit later. But other things discovered in his mansion during this raid, other than a fake suspicious passport, he had fake sex doll-style realistic breasts implanted on his mansion bathroom wall. Uh, I, I guess so he could feel them while jacking off. I, I have no idea. He had several high-quality commission giant realist paintings that he had a painting commission of Clinton wearing the infamous Monica Lewinsky blue dress like on his wall in his mansion. What? He also had um, an, a giant painting commissioned after his release from jail in 2011 of himself in an, in an orange jumpsuit behind bars holding the bars. What a poor little martyr. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it seemed as if he was, he took some kind of pride or was even boastful about his time in prison. And uh, let's see. Podesta is actually someone who does not show up in Epstein's book, surprisingly. Um, (laughs) But Epstein openly tried, this this is something else interesting about what, when you said he's a martyr, there's definitely some truth to that. And, And he has not only, not been apologetic or remorseful he's actually openly tried to justify his behavior to like like journalists on the public record um he openly tried to rationalize and justify his preference for underage girls and women as recently as after his first arrest um, when he was a free man after his plea deal um this actual interchange was documented on august 2018 a journalist for the New York Times tried to dig about a rumor that Epstein was privately consulting for the company Tesla in California. Um, Elon Musk does not appear in his black book, just for the record, in case anyone's wondering. He was extremely coy to this New York Times guy about discussing his Tesla consulting and instead veered the conversation himself to his previous conviction of sex offenses. And he told the journalist, he told him that criminalizing sex with teenage girls was a cultural aberration and that at times in history, it was perfectly acceptable. 
He pointed out that homosexuality had also long been considered a crime and was still punishable by death in some parts of the world. Wow. Yeah, so, wow. He, so he's... Yeah, you know what else was acceptable? Burning witches at the stake, you fucking psychopath. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and technically, if you want to get technical, I mean, in Thailand, I think it's it's like still legal to... I don't even know if they're what the age of consent laws is there. But there's like child prostitution in Thailand and stuff. Really crazy that he would be openly talking to people who are going to be like writing stories about him, about this kind of shit. And in that same exchange with this guy from the New York Times, he made no secret. uh, And he wanted to brag about the fact that he had a lot of dirt on very many powerful people. Um, The same journalist says, during our conversation, Mr. Epstein made no secret of his own scandalous past. He pleaded guilty to the state charges and acknowledged to me that he was a pariah in polite society. At the same time, he seemed unapologetic. His very notoriety, he said, was what made so many people willing to confide in him. Everyone, he suggested, has secrets. And he added, compared with his own, they seemed innocuous. So let that sink in. So this is Epstein's own quote. He suggested he has secrets, but compared to his own, the secrets he was told by powerful people seemed innocuous. So if there's any truth to what Epstein is saying there, let that sink in. Epstein has over 80 sexual assault rape allegations from underage women. So if these things seemed innocuous, what the fuck? I mean, that really raises a lot of question, if that's to be believed. Yeah. In the same quote, he's kind of like, yeah, I solicited prostitution from underage girls. It's like, no, you sex trafficked child. There's no child prostitution. No child is saying, yeah, I'm going to be a prostitute today. This is sex trafficking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, In it's, the most it's just literal amazing. sense of the and, word. And he actually, helped get that, he, he actually helped get that sweetheart deal under the auspices that like these child like children were prostitutes to make it seem like oh whatever epstein just hired a couple prostitutes well yeah i mean he basically got the slap in the wrist like he ultimately only got in trouble for like receiving a massage from like an underage girl or something i mean like i don't even think he got a, an actual like rape or molestation or sexual assault allegation leveled at him from what I, I mean, it almost seemed like it was like a borderline, like a statutory rape kind of a charge, which is very mild in the bigger scheme of, you know, these kinds of charges. In the, at the New York Post in 2011, he says, I'm not a sexual predator. I'm an offender. It's the difference between a murderer and a person who steals a bagel. That's absolutely fascinating that that's how he sees his own, like, serial sexual abuse. Right. Right. And and the way that the media aided this, I mean, back in back when I guess his first um, arrest and he was saying, you know, that I hired prostitutes or whatever. And a lot of the media was just calling the victims, quote, underage women. Um, Jezebel did this study where they counted 90 instances actually today um, when the entire story was resurrected of how people just continue to call them underage women. These aren't women like again. These are children. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, and also simultaneously, and I and people are probably going to be like, "Why is Robbie trying to split hairs here?" But all, simultaneously, would also say the the media outlets saying that he was simply a pedophile are also misconstruing what was actually happening. He seemed specifically to have a proclivity towards underage, but not prepubescent women. There is a distinction to be made there. Not saying that makes it any better. 
It's just that that pedophilia defines prepubescent. Yeah, I guess. I mean, 14 seems pretty close. It, it does seem close, but I'm saying there's two different medical distinctions. Like when there's another word for people who are predators of people of that age group versus pedophilia. So the term pedophilia is very specific. It refers to prepubescent children. I mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the underage women thing is ridiculous because, yeah, girls are, you know, when you're 13 years old, you're a girl. When you're 14 years old, you're a girl. Yeah. I don't know what – until you reach the age of 18, you're still considered a girl. So media is doing a huge disservice by calling them underage women. I mean, it's – you don't say underage men, you know, when you're talking about that. It's, so it's it's right. odd that the media would, would word it that way. It is very, very odd. Well, I was really shocked looking through some of these notes, Robbie. Um, I mean, <laughs> shocked, I guess, isn't the right word for it. <laughs> it's almost just, of course, right? Of course, Woody Allen was close to him. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Abby, everybody, including, it's so funny to see who's taking credit for predicting Epstein's death, like Chank and all those people. It's like, dude, everybody, we all, we're all making jokes about it. Right. He's going to be suicided. I mean, come on. Like it's everybody's it's everybody's joke. It's the world's joke. It's the world's prediction. Like nobody owns that prediction. <laughs> yeah, it's just another <laughs> another crazy thing about our reality. Yeah. It's reality's joke. Yeah, exactly. And Epstein seemed to have a particular affinity for two powerful men. Like out of all of his colleagues and associates, he was most fascinated by Bill Clinton and Woody Allen. And I only say that because he has portraits of both men up in his home. Um, He had a giant photographic portrait of Woody Allen up in his Manhattan penthouse that was directly across the street from Woody, that he lived across the street from Woody Allen and Bill Cosby, coincidentally. I guess he just wanted Woody in the room with him when he raped girls all the time. Maybe, yeah. And Woody Allen's sexual depravity goes far beyond what most people, I think, even realize. I mean, he had you know, multiple relationship with teenage women in the 70s, sexual relationships. We don't know how many. We know probably at least three with women ages 15 to 17. And I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. So his relationship with the Woody Allen is very strange. Uh, the 16-year-old girl sex partner, the Woody Allen and Mia Farrow used to have regular threesomes with. And she later went on to become Epstein's assistant, this 16-year-old girl. 1976. Um, this is from NY Mag. 16-year-old model Babby Christina Engelhart embarked on a hidden eight-year affair with the 41-year-old filmmaker that mirrors one of his most famous movies. Um, the movie they're talking about is Alan was so brazen about his sexual activity and his preference for young women, young girls, <laughs> that he put himself in a film essentially portraying himself as a 42-year-old man having an extremely inappropriate relationship with a 16-year-old girl in Manhattan. He actually changed the age in the script to 17. It's like hiding in plain sight. He's like brazenly making a film representing his relationship with a 16-year-old girl that he regularly had sex with in one of his most beloved films. So let that sink in too. This is one of his most beloved, cherished movies. I think there's even like a Criterion collection about it. And this woman... Bobby Christina Englehart eventually went on to work as one of Epstein's assistants. Like, how bizarre is that? Yeah, also bizarre that Mia Farrow decided to take to Twitter and say, um, Maxwell knows everything. Um, 
Jocelyn Maxwell knows everything about Epstein. She's still out there. Well, yeah, I mean, she's probably right, but I bet you Mia Farrow knows a lot more like about this shit, too, that she's not saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing a limited hangout on her own. I'm not saying Ronan Farrow is dishonest. I believe all the things are same, but it is in a limited scope. This is documented evidence from the person that had sex with Woody Allen saying that Mia Farrow also had sex with them together. Um, and that they had a rotating cast of underage girls. Uh, when this girl even confronted Woody Allen saying, is this about me? Woody Allen sort of made a, like a comment to her like, oh, I knew you would, thought, you would have thought it was about you, Manhattan. Wow. Um, and, and, and she wasn't sure if, she, if he was saying that like, oh, you're so egotistical. You think that's about you? Because I also had like several other relationships with 16-year-old girls. Like that was her interpretation of it that she thought it was almost thought she she was being like an egomaniac for thinking it was about her because she was just one of many. And not just that, one of the only celebrities Epstein was photographed with after his 2011 arrest by paparazzis was walking down the street in Manhattan with Woody Allen and Sun Yi. So Epstein and them them two were just chilling. Just hanging out. Just Just hanging out. Catching up with old friends. Yeah. And another interesting aspect to this is Epstein would milk. So he would get girls as young as 13 years old to work for him, basically doing quote unquote massages or working as assistants. But it almost appears like this was almost like a recruitment scheme of some kind where he used his own underage victims as recruitment tools to get more underage victims. This is actually described in lawsuits, which we'll get into in a little bit. But this is a common theme. This is how he was able to build his network. He would use his own victims to get other victims in the mix. Right. And he would use Maxwell as um, the facilitator, um, kind of the ringleader who, you know, the most unassuming, unsuspecting person, this British socialite kind of trolling these campuses, um, a lot of disaffected youth. Some of them were homeless um girls in a bad way essentially and then they're kind of taken by this rich woman who's like hey do these odd odds and ends and chores for me and then after weeks and weeks of getting paid she's like okay will you do a massage and that's essentially how it started a lot of the times um one of the victims this is from the miami herald who of course broke most of this um one of the victims courtney wilde who was 14 when she met epstein said like a lot of these girls were homeless Um, Another victim, Jenna Lisa Jones, who's 30 now, said she was molested when she was 14. I mean, it's just like this is just one example of how fucked up, you know, how triggering this can be for the rest of your life, how devastating it can be. It can never leave you. Um, She said, quote, you can't ever stop your thoughts. A word can trigger something. For me, it was the word pure because he called me pure in that room. And I'll never forget what he did to me in that room. How disgusting thinking of him calling these like young, oh God, these young 14 year old girls pure and like just getting off on it. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, and um, I'll acknowledge, it's... I mean, I think there's another dynamic here that people may, may not really be thinking of right now. Cause he's just so such a disgusting person, but I will acknowledge that he's actually like a, a pretty good looking guy uh, for his age. And he was a good looking guy when he was younger, too. He had sort of this like Steve Martin, like great, like white hair, even when he was young. Um, I can't even I can't even really picture what his personality is like, because I, I, I don't think I've even seen any video of him being like interviewed or talking. So maybe he's like the suavest 
you know, most like seductive, like, I don't know how, like what his seduction abilities are like, but he probably had a, let's just say he probably had a very powerful personality, persuasive personality to be able to pull this off. You know, often predators are very ingratiating. They groom you. There's a lot of language in a lot of these lawsuits and a lot of the reports that he groomed his victims. He didn't just outright throw them against the wall. You know, a lot of people have this warped understanding of sexual assault and abuse mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it's all forced. It's not. He he really was very calculating about this. I mean, there were several steps. It was like as calculating, if not more so than what we described of Michael Jackson and Neverland Ranch. I mean, this was a whole operation. Yep. Very elaborate. Um, Trump's okay. relationship with him. Trump commenting after his death, the way that he's tried to distance himself. Let's just get into that. What did and Trump? We'll just oh, keep detailing. I, that's news to me. I didn't even know Trump commented on, about him after his death. What did he say? Yeah. Um, so after his death, uh, Donald Trump is on video. He says he says um, he had a falling out years ago with the billionaire he once called terrific. He says, quote, I knew him like everybody in Palm Beach knew him. Um, he told reporters in the Oval Office, quote, he was a fixture in Palm Beach. I had a falling out with him a long time ago. I'd say maybe 15 years. So that's basically the same thing he said when Epstein was first arrested. Because he yeah. said he just said he's not a fan of him, not a fan of his. Um, and he said he had a falling out. But of course, we also know that he retweeted someone on Twitter as we're talking about, you know, him legitimizing QAnon conspiracy theories, of course, detracting and deflecting from all of his ties with Epstein, which we know are numerous. Um, he's he retweeted someone basically alleging that the Clintons killed him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hashtag Clint, Clinton body count. Yeah. And saying Epstein didn't kill himself. He was offed. Hashtag Clinton body count. It's like, wow, the president of the fucking United States is saying Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton killed Jeffrey Epstein. That's where we're at. Which is fascinating because... It was extremely obvious, not just to me, but also other journalists in in the scene, like Sam Husseini, um, that Trump's silence on Epstein after his arrest was deafening. It was extremely noticeable, hella suspicious. Um, I I think he was very, very worried about what was going to come out. This is a guy who made no, who didn't hesitate at all to accuse Bill Clinton of being a rapist to constantly needle the Clintons about having this history of Bill Clinton's rapes, bringing out the fucking the round table of his rape victims, like before one of the debates. He even mentioned yeah, Epstein uh, Lolita Express at one of the debates with Hillary Clinton. So He literally said the words Lolita Express yeah. during the debate? Yes, he did. So it is very Holy interesting. Holy shit. Very, very interesting that when Epstein gets arrested, Trump doesn't use that opportunity at all to go after the Clintons until he dies. That's really fascinating. It's almost as if Trump knew that Epstein knew shit about him that was really, really damaging. And that Trump didn't even want to rock the boat at all. He was very scared to. He didn't even want to put his name into the mix. Ignore it. And let's let's get this out of the way. There is verified flight logs of Donald Trump on the Lolita Express. I'm Absolutely. not trying to diminish the fact that Bill Clinton obviously was way more closely, you know, connected to this and oh, yeah. took way more flights. But let's not forget that Trump is implicated in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, people who are trying to downplay 
Trump's connection to Epstein are just being total disingenuous, like bad faith, stupid fucks. I mean, you know, or they're just like pathological liars who are so far up Trump's ass they can't even fucking see right. anymore. I mean, they're all idiots. So, yeah, anyone who's only talking about Trump or only talking about Clinton, I mean, you're you're just being really stupid and really partisan about this. You got to look at the bigger picture. Just the whole, like, Pizzagate QAnon LARPing, the threads of Pizzagate and this pedophilic ring and Podesta and all this shit, it's like, it, again, absolving Trump, immunizing Trump from any sort of scrutiny, when really Trump is at the center of this. Absolutely. It's really interesting how that plays out, isn't it? Yeah. There, there are so many connections to Trump in different ways. I mean, it's really fascinating when you look at all of them. So we already Trump is actually one of the only people to be quoted talking about how he likes uh, Jeff and he knows him <laughs> um, and that he actually had a preference for young women. And here's actual, Trump's actual quote. Um, he says, I've known Jeff for 15 years. He's known him for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. And, and coming off the heels of that quote, you know, that quote ver looks very, very bad for Trump. And this is Epstein, who is frequently at Trump's private resort, Mar-a-Lago. Not private. A, it was like a hotel. Not only is Trump's resort a 10-minute drive from Epstein's Palm Beach Manor, and it's been verified, I guess, now by some court filing of some kind. But there's this weird talking point being deployed by his defenders. And it actually was included in 8chan. Some 8chan user made a list of talking points to deploy to defend Donald Trump in the wake of the Epstein arrest. And my favorite one from it was this. This is the one I keep seeing come up. And, and actually someone uh, on one of our last podcasts uh, really got really butthurt when we brought this up in the last podcast because they just realized how fucking true it is. What I'm about to say is that Trump and his defenders have used this this event where apparently it was discovered that Epstein had raped a 14-year-old girl at the Mar-a-Lago resort. Right. And Trump, quote-unquote, banned him or kicked him out of the resort, Abby. I mean, isn't that good of Trump to do that? That's like really heroic, right? Yeah, dude, totally. Just just put it under the rug and kick that kicked him out. Yeah, but guess Case what? Closed. There's no uh, police report of that rape that took place at Trump's huh. hotel by a billionaire oligarch. So put yourself in the shoes of someone who runs a hotel, who has an extremely <laughs> powerful near billionaire raping an underage girl at the hotel. What do you do? Do you right call kick him out and give him a? You're not allowed back here. Or do you actually call the police or report it to law Unbelievable. enforcement? Unbelievable. There's so much shit at Mar-a-Lago. There's, there's victims who allege that they were groomed there. Oh, no, it was um, that was part of the pipeline for the grooming process. So just to sum what up what I said, that makes Trump complicit in the cover-up of a rape of a 14-year-old girl by Jeffrey Epstein, if that's true. That actually makes it worse. This is a talking point that actually hurts Trump, you fucking morons. Stop saying it if you want to. I'm just, I'm giving you free advice here. Stop using this talking point if you think this makes Trump look good. It makes him look like he literally covered up a rape of a 14-year-old girl, you stupid fucks. One of the victims, the one that, that all these court documents were unsealed, I, I think her name's Jeffrey, um, spelled G-I-U-F-F-R-E. Anyway, she said, 
quote, Jeffrey told me Trump is a good friend of his. Also, it's, you know, they were neighbors. They were neighbors in Palm Beach um, in the 90s. It goes deep. It goes really, really deep. But yeah, this whole Mar-a-Lago thing, to actually paint Trump as the good guy, like, oh, he kicked him out. <laughs> they need to lock down their talking points better. I mean, they really don't have a good, an actual legitimate defense. There are some disinfo conspiracy, conspiracy narratives going around that somehow Trump was the only one who helped out law enforcement once Epstein was arrested. People use that as an example. Well, how could Trump be guilty if he contacted law enforcement to like try to help him in the Epstein case? Well, here, here's a little thing for you that you might not know about guilty people. Cops actually look for people who are eager to help with investigations as potential mm -hmm. suspects. It is a common thing for people who have committed crimes to overcompensate and actually reach out to police thinking that it won't make them suspicious. That's actually something a dumb person would do. That's Trump's style, actually. He calls in tabloids to try to put out disinfo. He's on tape pretending to be his own agent. He's psychotic. So, of course, I, I don't put it past Trump to be stupid and to think that that will make him look like he's absolved of guilt. He really is so egotistical. I think he missteps and does things like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And let's let's talk about all the photos, the videos of Trump and Epstein together. Trump with Jaceline Maxwell um, partying out on the town. Trump looking insane with these giant black dyed eyebrows saying they're hot, like panting with Epstein looking at these Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Um, photos of Melania, you know, fresh off the boat um, with Epstein and Trump in the middle. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on of how close Trump really was. And this is like photographed over the years. Was there an actual photograph of Melania with Epstein? Yep. Yeah. I, yep, I, I haven't seen yep, that. It's That's Trump, news to me. Yeah. Trump, Melania, Epstein and, and Maxwell. OK, well, and there was actually... Most news reports didn't mention this, but in that same video with Epstein coming to Trump's party with that mysterious, tall, really tall guy, in the background is Ghislaine Maxwell as well. Um, but she's not, her face is like barely in the video. It's only in for like a frame. So she came with Epstein. She was the guest that came behind him in the little line entering the party. So yeah, she's, she's deep in this too. I mean, she's, she's probably equally as complicit as Epstein is. In this, so it is very Absolutely. interesting that she's somehow not arrested, not charged, um, and we'll talk about her a little bit later. Where where people think she is right now? Well, she's in L.A. It just came out today. She was seen at In and Out Burger eating. That's fascinating because a couple of days ago, yeah, they reported that she was actually in New England. Yeah, I want to go try to find her. She's fucking here. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah, like I know where that In and Out Burger is that she was eating. I just saw the photos. I'm like, wow, I could try to go find you right now it's amazing yeah, she was reading a book called the book of honor the secret lives and deaths of cia operatives great extremely bizarre dude and universal city everyone go find maxwell she's in universal city right now <laughs> yeah i unbelievable. mean unbelievable geez that, that's so weird citizens arrest <laughs> citizens arrest oh by the way really quickly you mentioned elon musk he's been seen with her no way. Before. So even though he's not, yeah. Oh, fuck. That's crazy. Oh, well, there's yeah. then definitely there's some connection there. Yeah, for sure. And let's not forget to mention Elon Musk had some kind of like midlife crisis. I don't know what his sexual preferences are, but he, de I mean, anyone who gets hair plugs 
after they're already like fully bald, like he was, is definitely having some kind of midlife crisis. Midlife crisis, you know, I don't know how, what kind of role that plays in wanting to fuck underage prostitutes, but it probably plays some role for some of these people like the Dersh and these other pieces of shit. Dersh. These fucking psychopaths. Um, yeah, dude, Dershowitz finds it appropriate timing to actually be advocating for the age of consent laws to be changed in the midst of this Epstein fallout. Can you fucking imagine the gall? I, it, I can't. We'll get into him, him later, but, like, yeah. I can't. It's amazing, Abby. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> so, the the current attorney general for Trump has some bizarre Epstein connections as well. Donald Barr, William Barr's father, is in Epstein's little black book. And according to New York Magazine, Donald's son, Donald Barr's son, William Barr, current attorney general, would intersect with Epstein's orbit while serving as a counsel at Kirkland and Ellis in 2009. The law firm secured his obscenely lenient 2007 non-prosecution deal, which the Justice Department is now reviewing. In July, Barr, the son, refused to recuse himself from the ongoing investigation. And there's also another strange connection. Donald Barr, William's father... What wasn't just in his black book, it was originally reported that somehow Donald Barr got Epstein his prestigious and suspicious unqualified teaching position at Dalton School in the early 70s. Uh, but this has since been uncorroborated, uh, apparently because Barr was let go at his position before Epstein was hired. But it's still odd. I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, it's possible he still had some pull. It has not been explained how Epstein even got that teaching position. He got very poor grades. Someone basically handed him this prestigious teaching position where at this, at this school, he tried to groom female students as well. Um, and this has actually come out since his arrest and death. <laughs> well, it's crazy that he couldn't even control himself. He's like so sexually depraved that he actually like assaults women in public and like, you know, kind of like Trump. You just grab him by the pussy. They let you do it, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, you have to really wonder. Some of these sexual predators are so disturbed that they just do shit that's like almost impossible to picture someone doing. Like right, that I know. Weinstein story about him jerking off into a potted plant after like he took his dick out and the girl was just like disgusted. It's almost impossible to believe that that happened. But I mean, right. at the same time, like there's people who are this impulsive and this crazy. Like, I mean, there really are. Especially after getting away with it for so long. Yeah, totally. Like, you literally think that you're just an untouchable god at that point. Totally. This is fascinating, though, the fact that Barr's dad is connected to him. It is really bizarre, yeah. And we already mentioned earlier that Trump's labor secretary, Alex Acosta, was the guy who actually gave Epstein the slap-on-the-wrist plea deal. He was, he was an instrumental part of it. I don't know his position before labor secretary. I don't know exactly what he did in the trial. He wasn't part of a private law firm, though. He was actually working, I think, for some kind of DA at the time. This leaked um, that he said that he was told to back off Epstein because he was intelligence. Which is just so fucking crazy, if that's true. And what was the sweetheart deal? Because apparently he was able to continue to solicit children um, to yes. rape continuously while he was on this pseudo, you know, arrest. It was very, very yeah. lenient. I mean, it was, it was like the most slap on the wrist, like 
thing ever. I mean, even when it happened, people were like, this is so fucking rigged. Like, what the fuck? Like, how is this possible? And Alan Dershowitz was his lawyer representing him in that trial and was instrumental in getting this plea deal. <laughs> yeah, so, that's a big that's a big one. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fascinating. And we're going to go into the Dersh in a little bit. Um, but he's he's got some real dirty connections to all this. Real dirty. Probably second to Maxwell. He's probably the most dirty character. In terms in of, yeah, his, and he claims he, he's really tried to distance himself from Epstein saying like they don't talk, um, that all right. he did was like help him on legal matters. Um, but uh, we're going to go into in a little bit that he was actually implicated at, in a rape yep. involving Jeffrey Epstein with underage girls. Oh, yeah. I mean, he called him his best friend. I mean, it's it's total bullshit that he wasn't close to him. Yeah. Um, and this all connects together. I mean, in one of the lawsuits, they actually allege that Alan Dershowitz raped someone at the same time that Bill Clinton was there also raping someone. And according to the flight logs that leaked that came out in that infamous, I think it was like a 2013 Gawker article which was kind of what blew a lot of this open in the first place that made people take a real hard look at it was Gawker released the flight logs of the, what was called at the time, the Lolita express uh, Jeffrey Epstein's private plane. And the person who was on that recognizable name that was on that more than anyone else was Bill Clinton. He was logged more times flying on the Lolita express than anyone else on that list. This just validates the fact that, all of Bill Clinton's rape allegations are probably more likely true than not. I mean, I, I fully believe all the women who have come forward. I think Bill Clinton is an insanely depraved sexual predator. Um, and it's just shocking that he's been untouched and that, you know, apparently he's going to get away with this unscathed. Um, where have they been in the midst of all of this? You know, has he just been in hiding? Like, it's disgusting. Oh, I mean, he actually released a hilarious, I think, it, I don't know if it was the Clinton Foundation or just like an official statement from him released something saying that all these flight logs were for really innocuous, like fundraising or like philanthropy <laughs> reasons, of course, you know, because Epstein was doing all this like, quote unquote, philanthropy, like he was like funding TED Talks and funding like scientific, you know, uh, research projects, donating all this money. He had his finger in all these pies, you know, like any other rich guy, he ingratiates himself with society by being a philanthropist, you know, and do and donating to all these different causes and stuff. This is how he built up all these connections to people. Maxwell had a shell philanthropy uh, like nonprofit as well. Yes. Just another connection to Clinton with in terms of um, Epstein and the Clintons is Ghislaine Maxwell actually attended Chelsea Clinton's wedding after Epstein had first been charged. Um, this is from New York Magazine. It says this was shortly after she skipped a deposition for the Epstein case, claiming she needed to return to the UK to be with her deathly ill mother. Chelsea Clinton has Ghislaine Maxwell at her wedding when Ghislaine Maxwell was actually supposed to be deposed in the Epstein case. And she used a fake excuse of having to go back to the UK because her mom was dying. Pretty weird. You would think just the optics alone would not have Chelsea involve uh, Jeffrey Epstein's like henchwoman at her wedding when her dad was implicated in like potential raping of exactly. underage girls. That's that's what you would think. Strange. 
And, you know, Jeffrey Epstein has actually taken credit, I believe, in private to various friends and colleagues that he was part of the found. He was one of the people who founded the Clinton Foundation. He's taking credit for like the starting of the Clinton Foundation itself. He is deeply, deeply connected to the Clintons as well. This has disinfo also in the mix, too, because Blackwater founder Eric Prince went on Breitbart Radio right before Pizzagate exploded and said that Hillary Clinton had also flown on the Lolita Express, although that's never been confirmed. What? That's never been confirmed, but he put that out there, and that's the source of that. So I find that very interesting. It's almost like he's trying to tip the scales away from Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like if he can of make course. it appear that not just Bill Clinton, but also Hillary Clinton might have actually raped underage women or something at on the Lolita Express or Lolita Island, then it really kind of helps move things away from focusing on Trump and Epstein, which I, you know, if I'm being honest, I think that Pizzagate in a large sense was by design designed to do that, to take the focus away from Trump's own history of rape and sexual assault, and even history of saying really bizarre sexual things about underage girls. You know, I don't know if Trump has actually molested any underage girls himself, but I wouldn't put it past him. He said some really creepy shit. He told a 10-year-old girl, in eight years, I'm going to be dating you, like at, going up the escalator at one of his hotels, Trump Tower. Right. He was sexualizing his infant daughter, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I they, don't put anything past that motherfucker. Joey Behar, on, I think it was on The View, asked him what he has most in common with Ivanka, and he said sex. That was one of the most disturbing admissions yeah. I've ever seen. Very, very weird. Um, all the kids, all the boys, whenever they're asked who's his favorite, they always immediately answer Ivanka without hesitation. But, you know, the Clinton... Um, Epstein connections go very deep. Uh, you can find plenty of stuff out there. I would just be cautious because we already know like neocon disinfo operators have already tried injecting shit into the mix. So just be careful to not, you know, to look for the sources. That's all I'm, I'm making sure people do. Um, because for the last two years, Trump's own base and all these loyalists have been trying to manipulate and steer the Epstein narrative or steer away any allegations of sexual assault towards Trump and just on to only Democrats. That needs to be understood. That is happening. Do, should we just go to Dershowitz? Totally. Oh yeah. Did you want to just skip Prince Andrew? Um, I don't know about skipping, but I think maybe now talking about Dershowitz would be smart because about, yeah. about steering away the narrative from Trump. Sure. So as you mentioned, Dershowitz, helped negotiate he was leading the negotiation for that sweetheart deal that plea deal that allowed him that work release provision uh through the 13 months in palm beach county jail um dershowitz is also has also been accused of raping and being a participant in this ring the sex trafficking ring by two victims um he went on the complete offense um, when I guess when he found out that he was being accused in these court documents, again, this is when they were, of course, sealed. But he went out aggressively all across the media, um, basically just alleging that these people were lying, um, that they're defaming him, that he never flew on Epstein's jets. And then the story changed where he said, I did fly in Epstein's jets, but it was with my wife. 
Um, my wife was always with me, right? Um, so as these things have trickled out, his story's changed many times, but um, I'll read from the Miami Herald about one of the victims um, who claimed in court documents that between 2000 and 2002, she was trafficked by Epstein to have sex with a number of powerful men, including Dershowitz, who was Epstein's best friend and lawyer. Dershowitz, an outspoken constitutional law expert, um, has aggressively attacked Gufri and her prominent New York lawyer, David Boyes. Um, Dershowitz claims that Gufri and Boyes concocted the entire story as part of an elaborate criminal scheme to extort financial settlements from someone he's connected to, Leslie Wexner, the billionaire CEO of Victoria's Secret, who is a friend and client of Epstein's investment firm. Earlier this year, Dershowitz gave a series of media interviews, sometimes taunting the victims with his accusations, daring them to sue him for defamation, saying he would relish the chance to face them in court. Well, guess what happened? They, they did sue him for defamation. <laughs> um, because he's fucking lying! Um, this is from the Daily Beast now, who claims Epstein made her a sex slave when she was 16 years old, has also alleged she was loaned out for sex with Dershowitz. In a 2016 deposition, she claims she performed oral sex on the Harvard Law Professor in a limo in Massachusetts. Seems really specific, right? Alongside Epstein and a young girl. The first time I recalled having sex with Professor Dershowitz was in New York, she testified in the deposition. The last time I remember having sex with him, I believe it was on the airplane. Um, the unsealing, of course, with all of these documents happened um, from this defamation lawsuit filed against Epstein um, and against Jesseline Maxwell as part of this entire thing. So this was made public. Dershowitz claims victory. And by the way, this whole media tour, this media blitz where he was like, defaming these victims that was a threat he was basically threatening all of epstein's victims saying if you fucking come out i'm going to throw the whole weight of my legal practice yeah. against you and he is a very high profile lawyer he's given tons of media appearances he's given a lot of credibility from the mainstream establishment i think he's a disgusting pig yeah. zionist rat fuck um, but that you know that doesn't take away from how powerful this figure is Here's the most amazing part that comes out of these unsealed documents. He claims this is a victory for him. This unsealed document proves that he was right. Guess what the document says? She says, don't forget Alan Dershowitz. She's talking to a reporter. This is like a, an exchange that she had with one of these reporters talking about this book that she was writing that she actually never released. So Dershowitz is like, oh, she's making this book, this fictional account of all these alleged rapes just to get famous, just to get rich. Where have we heard that before? So in this email exchange with a Mail on Sunday reporter, she said, quote, don't forget Alan Dershowitz, Jeffrey Epstein's buddy and lawyer. Um, da, 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 da. She said, we all suspect Alan is a pedo. And though no proof of that, you probably met him when he was hanging out with GE. So this does not mean that these allegations are false at all. Um, she's saying that she thinks and all of these other people think that Alan Dershowitz is a pedophile. Um, so he's claiming that it absolves him because she says there's no proof that he is a pedophile. She doesn't say he didn't rape me when I was 16. Um, so it's just all kind of semantics that Alan Dershowitz is honing in on. I think this implicates him a lot <laughs> that all these people are like, we know that Alan Dershowitz is a pedophile. We just don't have solid proof that he is a pedophile. It doesn't mean that he didn't rape her. It doesn't mean that he didn't rape other women. And it doesn't mean that he didn't know and help cover up this entire sex trafficking ring. As he's been in the, the line of fire now, he's going on the media and saying, 
I, you know, I don't like massages. I did get a massage once in Epstein's house. I had my underwear on. Like, who the fuck says that stuff? Who says that stuff? Seriously. It's highly suspect. And as I mentioned before, at the same time this is going on, he actually has the audacity to try to argue for lowering the age of consent. And, like, make the case for that. So this guy is a complete sociopath. Wouldn't it be funny if he's trying to lower the age of consent so that if he actually did rape someone and Trump did, that they'll both, like, not be implicated? <laughs> so it could be insane, like, legal play. It'd be, like, the most, like, ballsy legal play of all time to, like, try to lower the age of consent to get yourself up, off from uh, having sex with an underage woman. <laughs> it's just nuts. It is nuts. There's another lawsuit from a Jane Doe um, against Dershowitz and Epstein, too. Um, and it's from 2015. It's a court filing. The lawsuit says that Epstein also sexually trafficked the then minor Jane Doe, making her available for sex to politically connected and financially powerful people. Epstein's purpose in lending Jane Doe to such powerful people were to ingratiate himself with them for business, personal, political, and financial gain, as well as to obtain potential blackmail information. So there it is in a lawsuit, like exactly what we've been saying and a lot, a lot of other people have been saying, that this is what this racket was. One such powerful individual that Epstein forced then minor Jane Doe number three to have sexual relations with was former Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz, a close friend of Epstein's and well-known criminal defense attorney. Epstein required Jane Doe number three to have sexual relations with Dershowitz on numerous occasions while she was a minor, not only in Florida, but also in private planes. And it says, in addition to being a participant in the abuse of Jane Doe number three and other minors, Dershowitz was an eyewitness to the sexual abuse of many other minors by Epstein and several of Epstein's co-conspirators. And what you mentioned earlier where he was threatening to like sue for defamation, the person that you're, you were referring to above actually sued him for defamation. Right. She, right. she was like, I'm not fucking around, dude. You're going to threaten me? I will fucking sue you. And she did. And the filing is still there. Now, there's another interesting Jane Doe story about one of the alleged victims of Epstein also filed a lawsuit against Trump and Alan Dershowitz claiming that she was raped by both of them um, when she was 15, I believe. Now, what's interesting about this is she has disappeared. Um, there are some conspiracies floating around the Internet that somehow she has been killed uh, or she's just missing. She did. Nobody knows who she actually is. Uh, some journalists have tried to guess who she was, and that person that they've, I, I guess, identified is missing. So that's a kind of an interesting rabbit hole. I wouldn't put anything past these people. I don't know if Trump directly has people killed or if Bill Clinton puts a hit list. But if you're going to be blackmailed and there's a record of you having sex with an underage girl, I don't really know if killing someone will We'll stop that. I mean, is there, there, that's the one thing that's not being revealed here about any of this. Did Epstein videotape these people? How was he able to blackmail them? That's something that's not really been deeply explored by any journalist. If this is true, how did he blackmail these people? Was it audio recordings? Yeah, good point. Because I, you know, I think in a lot of these instances, if he was able to blackmail people, I don't think... You know, and maybe this is just me being stupid. I don't think a lot of celebrities would be risk would be willing to put themselves at risk by knowingly having sex with an underage girl. I think that's very uncommon. It's definitely been exposed in certain cases. Even James Franco was trying to bang like a sixteen year old girl over Instagram. I mean, it definitely happens. 
But I do think what might have been happening here is that he got these beautiful young women to sleep with these powerful people. And then whoops, that person's underage, like after they have sex with them. That's I think that's also exactly. possibly what was happening here, because then he would have been able to get way more people involved. So I think it's a lot easier to get people to have sex with a beautiful young woman who looks like she's of age than it would be to be like, this girl's 15, have at her or something. I mean, right, that, no, of the, course. the former seems to make more sense to me. So then you could start seeing how this network might have able to have sustained itself where it was like you kind of almost like entrap people in a way. And I'm not making any excuses for these people. I'm just saying that I, I could see that happening. Oh, I'm sure dozens of people were ensnared, um, unwittingly or not. I mean, the point is that it, it extends so far that it's really hard to know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 incredible to imagine that all of these people would have been, you know, willingly having sex or, or have the affinity for girls that are 14 years old. I don't know how common that is. Um, I do know that Alan Dershowitz does have a bizarre history in his law school classes fixating on men accused of rape and false rape accusations and the whole arguing to lower the age of consent to 15. Um, and I wanted to just read this tweet before we go into the, the Cernovich connection. But in the midst of all this, I know I said he's like making the case for lowering the age of consent. This was on July 29th. <laughs> this is like two weeks ago. Alan Dershowitz goes on a three-tweet thread um, saying, I stand by the constitutional, not moral argument that I offered in my controversial op-ed, because this is following an op-ed where, as I mentioned, he makes the case for this. He says, if a 16-year-old has the constitutional right to have an abortion without state or parental interference, it's not even like a thing in many states also. That's, he's acting like this is just a blanket thing. How could she not have the constitutional right to engage in consensual sex? Um... And then he's like, I did not suggest it is moral to have sex with a 16-year-old, but rather that the issue presents a constitutional conundrum worthy of discussion. Uh, I also pointed out statutory rape laws are applied quite selectively and often against young teenagers. It's like, okay. And then he's like, let's debate, not name call. <laughs> no, I'm still going to call you a piece of shit. <laughs> rape apologist and or rapist. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Look, there. I mean, there. There are differing ages, age of consent laws all around this country. It's still legal in some states to like get married at age thirteen, or to have sex at like age sixteen or seventeen. So, but coming from someone as nuts and as implicated as he is, it's like, what the fuck are you trying to do, dude? Right. That's the thing. It's like I, I because it's coming from him, and in the midst of all of this, like, why? It's so. Why is he doing it's this? so weird, man. But there's a lot of weird things ha ha revolving around him right now. So, for example, Mike Cernovich, you know, total signal boosted, artificially signal boosted, dumb piece of shit tool is. Robbie, he exposed Epstein. He did it all. He got the, yeah, he he the documents unsealed. He exposed the whole tra sex mm -hmm. trafficking ring. Isn't that amazing? It is absolutely amazing. I mean, he scooped the Miami Herald, who's been working on this story for like a decade, man, with like teams of journalists. He fucking scooped him. <laughs> Cernovich Media scooped him um but it's very funny that cernovich is making this claim and i don't think he's just doing it out of ego either i think he's doing it for a very specific reason because he's been told to do it he's been told to steer the epstein narrative away and create a limited hangout about it so that it only goes in in a certain narrow track 
And guess what? Um, a court that was actually dealing with one of these uh, rape allegations, one of these lawsuits, um, actually the, the one of the attorneys in court on record defined Cernovich as a Dershowitz proxy, that he wasn't just trying to unseal these documents on, on his own because he was a journalist or whatever, that he was actually literally acting as a proxy for Epstein's defense attorney. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, um, Cernovich has actually photographed himself hanging out with Alan Dershowitz. Uh, Alan Dershowitz appears in Mike Cernovich's bullshit, grifter-ass piece of shit movie, Censored, claiming that he's been censored. So basically, Cernovich gives him the floor in this section in the, of interview in this movie to talk about how he's a victim of the PC elite, Zabby. Mike Cernovich is actually pretty close to Alan Dershowitz. So for anybody listening who still thinks Mike Cernovich is a truth teller, look up how Mike Cernovich reacts when you point this fact out. He blocks you. He gets really upset. He denies it tooth and nail. He does not want people to follow up on this. And luckily, some conservative journalists like Lee Stranahan have started to follow this thread and have actually gone full headfirst into the idea that Cernovich and Dershowitz are somehow trying to steer the Epstein narrative and to try to poison the well of it. And it's it's also interesting that Dershowitz himself does right. seem to be some kind of deep state tool of some kind, some kind of deep state asset. He has a long history and a long career. I'm not just defending bizarre people like O.J. Simpson um, and this other guy who like famously murdered his wife. He has been involved in some real shady ass shit over the years, seemingly being an official proxy for the Israeli government and Zionism as a whole. Um, and even the war on terror and NSA surveillance. He infamously debated Noam Chomsky like in the early 90s on Israel in a televised debate, taking the pro-Israel side. He debated Glenn Greenwald in a monk debate a few years ago about NSA surveillance, of course, taking the pro-surveillance side. He has written several best-selling books that parrot Islamophobic tropes and are essentially Zionist propaganda. I mean, his books are just pure Hasbro about how Hamas are human shields, they don't value life, all that kind of bullshit. So what is this dude? He's just a, a lawyer? Like, what is he? I mean, it's his career is really weird. Really, really weird. I'm also confused about why Cernovich was working with Alan Dershowitz to try to block this victim. Like, because Cernovich has painted it where, oh, he's he's helping expose Epstein. He's the one who his intrepid reporting got yeah. these documents unsealed. We know that that's horseshit. But what exactly did he do? Because we know it, it was actually to punish one of the victims on behalf of Dershowitz. That's what he did. I mean, that's what he's he's claiming that his trying to attempt to unseal those documents was because he wanted to take down Epstein. That's what he's claiming. Uh, the Miami Herald and other people are the ones who actually unsealed those documents. The court will has no, they do not validate Mike Cernovich's claims whatsoever. No other journalist working on this case does either. Why is he lying about this if it's not for ego? Um, I believe that he is part of a network of disinfo Trump loyalist operators who are trying to steer the Epstein narrative away from Trump and away from people like Alan Dershowitz. And away from him. I mean, he, he, all of these people constantly obsess about pedophile rings. Oh, yeah. Cernovich was on the tip of the spear of the Pizzagate shit. Um, and it's just really interesting that he well, and he's accused of rape. involved he, in he, this. He pleaded guilt. He did a plea bargain himself where he admitted to rape, dude. So, it, yeah, no, it's interesting. He's savvy enough where he knows to delete his tweets when they make him look like a total hypocrite weirdo. Um, for example, 
there was this popular porn star named Mercedes Carrera, who was like all of a sudden became this like alt-right celebrity like three years ago. She would do like cam sex shows like for him and Gavin McGinnis like on their shows. And two years after they were heavily associated with her, Mike Cernovich actually wrote a blog post about how she's terrific, extremely smart, really powerful person. They flirted with each other constantly on Twitter. It almost seemed like they were having like, they were like sexting each other, like behind the scenes based on their Twitter interactions. Uh, Mercedes Carrera was actually charged with child rape along with her husband. Uh, She's in jail right now for child rape. Yeah, she did cam shows on Gavin McGinnis's show. Her and Cernovich would joke all the time about pedophile sex rings and oh yeah, um, pe- wink and a nod to Pizzagate stuff. Yeah, interesting, isn't that interesting? How that works? It's interesting that Mike Cernovich was praising and actually wrote blog posts praising a child rapist. He has since deleted the postings and all of his Twitter interactions with her because he knows how fucking bad it makes him look. He know, I mean, he's smart enough to know. He cleaned his and Twitter account And beyond that, up. as you mentioned, he himself has been charged with rape. He has yep. horrifying posts in the past basically apologizing for rape. Um, I, I can't cite them off the top of my head, but if you just look up um, you know, some of these archive tweets and, and blogs that he's now deleted, it's pretty scary shit. That um, gorilla glue or whatever the fuck he's huffing like really fucked him up, dude. Yeah, I mean, one last thing that I'll say about Alan Dershowitz, um, another bizarre quote from him. I don't even know when this was from, but um, speaking on Jeffrey Epstein, Dershowitz says, quote, Jeffrey Epstein has so much money that you can't give him anything. The only gift you can give him is interesting people. And someone gave me to him as a gift. Wow. Not creepy at all. Really interesting. Because this definitely contradicts a lot of Alan Dershowitz's more recent statements trying to distance himself from Epstein as well. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but just like Trump, Dershowitz has tried to distance himself as much as possible from Epstein and acts like he merely served as his lawyer and giving legal advice. He was never his friend, although he has admitted to, like you said, getting a massage at his, uh, his mansion. He's tried to distance himself as much as possible since. So it's a very contradictory quote. He's a liar. He's a fucking shill. Whatever the fuck he is, he's lying. And it's blatantly obvious. Oh, well, Robbie, he had his underwear on, so. Yeah. God. And that's super creepy to say. I can't even think of any, anyone that I would even say that about. That's like something that you say about a romantic partner. Yeah, like, it's, it has a and, weird, it definitely has a weird ring to it. Um, it's not something yeah. you normally say about anyone. Yeah let's should we talk about some of these other i guess high profile people before we get into the Ghislaine Maxwell mystery yeah absolutely and people and people should um i'll post this on the timeline but new york mag has the most comp i think you already plugged this yes. but like the most comprehensive breakdown of just everyone in the black book and who they are because we're obviously not going to get to all of them and there's a lot of crazy important people on this no, list i'll list but yeah let's go over a few of them i'm gonna list out really quick just blast off a list though of, of who all like the most recognizable people are and I, and in yeah. a way it'll be doing a disservice to the scope of it because like half of the people in the black book are like very powerful people who are very rich and influential people who are just not like famous so that's right, not known. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely an interesting aspect to it is that he really had his finger in like every kind of pie you can imagine. I mean, even musicians like Elton John, 
Richard Branson. I mean, we'll, we'll go into that. But probably one of the more <laughs> more crazy connections in his black book that he's actually been in, implicated in a lawsuit as well is uh, Prince Andrew. His name was found in the black book. And since then, or even before then, a lot of people were already pulling at this thread and finding a lot of connections between him, him and Epstein. Epstein hosted a party for Prince Andrew at his mansion where Katie Couric, George Stephanopoulos, and a lot of other like mainstream DC, you know, pieces of shit attended. And from New York Magazine, it says, Epstein and the second son of Queen Elizabeth II have been friends for years and were introduced, it is generally thought, by Brit Ghislaine Maxwell. Now, before we go continue, is it Ghislaine or Ghislaine? I think it's Ghislaine. Okay. But I cannot confirm that. I've not to... heard anyone actually talking about her name. So I it just feels weird it. to pronounce someone's name with by saying the word jizz, but I guess I'll I'll do it. I, maybe it is Giz, I mean, Ghislaine. I, I I don't know. I hope our audience can forgive us for not knowing exactly how to pronounce her name. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, Brit Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's <laughs> former girlfriend and longtime aide de camp. Epstein has entertained the prince at his townhouse where he would toss aside regal formalities and refer to him simply and to English ears, heretically, as Andy. Prince Andrew has had Epstein and Maxwell to, to shooting parties at Sandrigan House, the Queen's Country Retreat, and Norfolk. Theirs is an unusual alliance giving their stations, the born royal and the Brooklyn boy who made it big, but its disparities may be part of the point. Jeffrey... Had Andrew put on a pair of sweatpants for the first time in his life, a source told Vanity Fair about the two, it was Jeffrey who the taught hell? Andrew how to relax. Hmm. Um, but that's not creepy. But their relationship and their relaxing took on darker shades as time went on. Andrew stood by Epstein after his release from a 13-month prison sentence and was the star attraction at the party he threw to re-enter society. That was the party where Katie Couric and George Stephanopoulos also came. And I need to correct myself earlier. I said that he was only in jail for like 90 days or something. He was in prison for 13 months, but he got the plea deal, allowed him to like leave prison for like five of the seven days of the week and like go work at home. So it was like barely right. like a real prison stay at all. It was almost like a house arrest, essentially. Right. The article continues on to say the ongoing affiliation with Epstein likely contributed to the end of Andrew's duties as the UK trade envoy. So that's interesting. So that people in like the UK government were just like, fuck, we need to do, we, we fucking get rid of this guy. Like the fuck's he doing? He was like too brazen about his relationship with Epstein. In 2015, it continues on to say, Virginia Roberts Guffrey alleged in a court filing that Andrew was one of the powerful friends to whom Epstein lent her out for sex. Buckingham Palace issued a statement emphatically denying the allegation. She hasn't pressed her case further in court, but a photograph of the Duke with his arm around a 17-year-old Robert Scuffrey with Maxwell grinning beside them didn't help. So there's actually a photograph <laughs> of Prince Andrew holding Virginia Robert Scuffrey like around the shoulder. And thank you for correcting how I've been misp mispronouncing her name. It's Guffrey. That makes a lot more sense. So I think on. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I'm really bad with name pronunciation. Something I think we both probably inherited from dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Charlie Rose. This is a this is a very fascinating link to Epstein. Charlie Rose and Epstein. Of course, Charlie Rose has been 
outed as, you know, some kind of intern, you know, he, he attempts to fuck all his interns, um, wants them to see him naked swimming outside the moonlight in his weird ass mansion. He's just a weird old horn dog. Would invite interns over to his house and then just accidentally have his robe open, like walk out of his room with this open robe with yeah. his dick hanging I mean, out. Um, the weird thing wow. about that is what men would do that thinking that a woman would be like impressed by it. I, I mean, is it like, does that mean Charlie Rose has like a giant schlong? Like, why no. would he? So that's what's weird to me. I can almost understand someone being crazy enough or if they have like a 10 inch dick, they'd be like, I'm going to take this out. Like Kevin Spacey apparently has like a giant penis. So, but it's just, That's it just insane. blows my mind. I mean, it is insane to take out your dick to anyone in any circumstance that doesn't ask you to. But in this, and it's just in, insaner than Kevin Spacey to think of like an old guy like Charlie Rose doing it. I mean, it's just even weirder to me. Yeah, with young women yeah. who just come over there for work. The ego, and then all of a sudden man. you're like, yeah, the ego. I mean, the it's, ego. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing that Charlie Rose was in Epstein's black book and and so are a lot of people. A lot, a lot, a lot of people are in his black book. But one of the interesting things that came out of this was there was a lot of notations made in his black book about all these back and forth phone calls that Charlie Rose had with Epstein. And according to New York Magazine, this is what was so interesting about these, these interchanges they would have. They were specifically about trying to get the Epstein intern pipeline to Charlie Rose's show. Like he wow. he was consulting with Epstein to try to get female interns. So this is what it says in New York Magazine. You learn things answering phones. And in the spring of 2005, answering Charlie Rose's phone at his PBS show, you would learn that his friend Jeffrey Epstein had some recommendations to make for whom Rose ought to hire as his next assistant. Dude. Written call logs from 2005 and 2006 show Epstein and his own assistant calling dozens of times, making plans for lunch and tea in Manhattan or to try to meet up in Paris. Epstein also called with a total of five women's names and phone numbers. This is even, gets even crazier, dude. One woman is described as, quote, world's most perfect assistant she used to work for Harvey Weinstein. He's lucky if he can get her, <laughs> end quote. Another entry reads, Jeffrey Epstein wants to talk to you before he can call these two girls, end quote. A fourth woman shows up on the manifest of Epstein's jet, including on Bill Clinton's trip across Africa, who wound up working at the Clinton Foundation. Two former staffers remember Epstein's referral, a young woman not mentioned in the logs, who interned at the show. In all, Rose hired three. The quote says, Jeffrey Epstein from time to time recommended various candidates for open positions at the Charlie Rose show, Rose representative said in a statement. But he said the ex-host only learned about Epstein's alleged abuse years later when he pleaded guilty in Florida. Now, they actually, New York Magazine, I don't have the quote up in front of me, but they tracked down one of these interns that Epstein recommended to Rose that didn't end up working for Rose. She was like, oh, my God, I was basically just being like trafficked for abuse. Because, like, now that she's learned about Rose's abuse and Epstein's, <laughs> she was this just, like, is horrified. Mind, this is truly mind-blowing. This isn't just that Charlie Rose was in the Black Book as just a point of contact. This was the solicitation of getting actual female interns that he was abusing that, from a sex trafficker. I mean, like, let's just wow. break this down for a second. How difficult is it to find, like, a competent intern? Do you, right. does, does it make any sense <laughs> for you to have to... Can, 
uh, contact like a billionaire financier for recommendations on female intern how does yeah, that even why make did, sense why was jeffrey epstein a an expert in female interns anyway what was he like engineering like some sort of workshop of like that's how what's to be interesting about this it like, must have been an happening? open secret that he was surrounded by these beautiful young women that were quote-unquote interns i mean i don't know like it, it, it really doesn't wow. make sense unless there was a sexual component to it which obviously there is Weinstein getting thrown in the mix is just the icing on the cake too. Yeah, yeah. He's lucky if, if you he can, can get, get her. her. Yeah, if he's you lucky. Can get her. Yeah. Um, and he was in in that note. Wow. He was referring to Charlie Rose. He's lucky, meaning Charlie Rose is lucky if he can get her. These people are truly sick. Yeah. Holy shit. Matt, can I talk about the Matt groaning? One? Yeah, yeah. This one, this one disappointed me, but. Yeah, read it. Read it off. <laughs> Simpsons creator. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's just embrace reality as we know it is today. Like nothing is as you thought it was. You know, Michael Jackson has now fallen from grace. I mean, why not throw Matt Groening in the mix? The creator of The Simpsons um, flew on the Lolita Express. Um, Guffrey, Virginia Guffrey, filed a lawsuit in 2015. Um, throughout this lawsuit, I guess the unsealed court findings found her talking about Matt Groening. Um, and she said that while she was on the plane with um, one of Epstein's quote-unquote assistants, Epstein asked her to give Matt Groening a foot massage. By the way, this was a very short flight, and it was, like, very awkward, she explains it. Um, and she says, by her own words in the court filing, she almost, quote, vomited when she saw how yellow and crusty his toenails were. And she describes washing off his feet before having to give him a massage. How bizarre is that? If you were Matt Groening, I don't. I mean, wow. And if and if Jeffrey Epstein was like, hey, he's like, why don't you relax a bit? I'll have one of my female interns give you a foot massage. Uh, an underage. When you say that's that's highly inappropriate. Yeah, I mean, giving a foot massage. Let's just let's just be real here. Doing any sort of foot massage <laughs> between an adult and like an underage girl or an underage child is just really creepy no matter which way you slice it i mean people reacted understandably disturbed when even arnie hammer that weird actor you know like kendall looking actor posted a video on twitter of his child like a like a four-year-old boy like licking and, and oh, playing yeah. with his feet for like two minutes straight it's like what are you posting this for dude just creepy so fucking weird. weirdo <laughs> fucking get this off the internet you fucking weirdo motherfucker it sound like alex jones right there but um, yeah, no, it's just it's just weird. I mean, um, this is something that pedophiles do to groom their victims. They'll like say, like, can I give you a foot massage? You know, like, you know, I thought Matt Groening's newest thing, um, Enchanted, was actually pretty good. So it's it bums me out to hear that. But a lot of my childhood, you know, favorites have have uh, proven themselves to be not just disappointing, but also sexual predators. The creator of Ren and Stimpy. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that. How that, sad that, is that? That like, whole crane, story. I'm like. It's really like a 12 year old, 13 year old girl and like grooming her for years and grooming her through fan, Ren and Stippy fan letters, flying her out to Nickelodeon studios in Florida as his intern. And then all of a sudden they're in a relationship when she's of age. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just the emotional immaturity of someone who's 18 years old. I, I mean, it's shocking. You know, it's really shocking. You're fresh out of like living with your parents, having no experience in the real world, no understanding of how things work 
outside of your own tiny bubble. It's just such a predatory, insane thing. I'm not saying that there aren't 18 year olds or, you know, people in their early 20s who are very emotionally mature, but like that's not what's going on here. Um, this is this is very disturbing. This this trend of all of these famous men who we've idolized, you know, cultural movers and shakers who have been doing this and who've normalized this behavior for so long. I mean, it's actually up until this year or last year that it hasn't been normalized anymore with the Me Too shit. It's nuts. Well, you might not have heard this name in a long time. Um, our, our good friend, uh, Bill Richardson. I don't know if you remember this dude who ran for, I think he ran for president in, I want to say 08, um, maybe 04 in the primary. Very bizarre dude. Epstein donated $50,000 to each one of his gubernatorial campaigns. From New York Magazine, it says, a spokesperson for Richardson has told the Albuquerque Journal that Richardson recalls visiting Epstein's New Mexico ranch only once during his first run for governor in 2002. Why? Basically, people don't know this. Epstein also has a more obscure New Mexico mansion compound called Zorro Ranch. Um, and Richard, <laughs> Richardson was also named in the Lolita Express fl flight logs, but also uh, Bill Richardson's name, um, according to lawandcrime.com, quote, has appeared on the flight log several times. The Daily Beast noticed that accuser Virginia Guffrey named Richardson as one of the people she was forced to sleep with during her alleged enslavement by Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. However, a spokesman for Richardson vehemently denied Guffrey's allegations, saying they were completely false and that Richardson had never met Mrs. Guffrey. Governor Richardson has never been contacted by any party regarding the Guffrey defamation lawsuit, the spokesperson said. To be clear, and Governor Richardson's limited interactions with Mr. Epstein, he never saw him in the presence of young or underage girls. Governor Richardson has never been to Mr. Epstein's residence in the Virgin Islands. So that's a that's a wiggle, little wiggle room there because he has been to his residence in New Mexico. Um, and that's all that's this already is, been confirmed. So just not in the Virgin so Islands. Nuts. Yeah, this is so nuts because, you, as you mentioned, there's like up to 80 allegations about not just Epstein, which everyone seems to accept that Epstein did rape all of these underage girls. But it's like, what do you think these other people were doing? Of course, they're all guilty. Why would she be lying about all of these other people, but telling the truth specifically about Epstein? Like, that's what doesn't make sense about Bill Richardson's explanation, Alan Dershowitz's explanation. It's like, oh, they're just trying to milk us for money. Um, and take us down. It's like, no, they were clearly all raped by Epstein and tossed around as part of the sexual trafficking circuit. And you guys are all on record on these flights and these photographs. And the, the thing that's sick about it is like, where do we go from here now that Epstein's dead? That's precisely why whoever killed him did that. Um, because all of these other people, like there's no charges levied against any of them. And I fear that they're all just going to get away with this shit. It's crazy. The The only thing I could think that would really bolster some of these civil lawsuits now is other witnesses that can like testify in court to, to the like to to validate Virginia Guffrey's claims. Yeah. So that would probably really take it over the top if there was another witness, one of his groundskeepers. I mean, you know, even some of the Neverland Ranch groundskeepers have come out and testified against Jackson in court. As far as I know, that hasn't happened in the Epstein situation, except maybe one in one small example, um, isolated example. And I don't think it, it had to do with this case specifically. So that's, I think, one of the things that we could hope for is that now that he's dead, 
um, you know, depending on how powerful his estate is, um, you know, maybe they all signed NDAs, but you know, NDA is not something that'll keep someone silent no matter what, you know, I mean, look what Stormy Daniels did. She violated her NDA. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's definitely, I think there's some room there for, for people to go down still, you know, and it might just be in a civil trial. Yeah. I mean, this, this name surprised me, but then again, it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, Steve Bannon. Yeah. Mostly because I thought of him as like a Christian, like psychopath adverse to the notion of child trafficking. And, you know, he's made all these comments about, about there's a special place in hell for people who prey on children. But, you know, all the people who protest too much uh, end up being kind of involved in these things at the end of the day. So. Oh, yeah. We just went over the Cernovich and how obsessed he was with outing pedophiles and trying to ruin James Gunn's career for all those, you know, really off-color pedophile jokes he made on Twitter. And it turns out he he pals around with actual charged child rapists and writes glowing blog pieces about them and then deletes and cleans up all of the social media accounts when those people are outed as child rapists. So that's how these people roll. Because what they do is, like, when you really gin up all your followers – you know, to like think everybody on the left are satanic pedophiles and you're palling around with pedophiles. You got to clean that shit up, dude. You riled people up into a really crazy emotional state. They might actually come for you if you don't clean that up. So it's actually smart of Cernovich to clean that shit up. So what's up with Bannon? I mean, the weird thing with Bannon is that he actually met, he was one of the most recent people or most, I guess I should say, in the news most recently for being seen meeting with Epstein. So in August, 2018, um, this is from New York magazine again, which I keep, we keep quoting this article, but it is one of the best articles on this. It's one of the most comprehensive it says the New York post reported that Bannon had been seen entering Epstein's townhouse. Neither Bannon nor Epstein has commented on the substance of their meeting, but when Ivanka Trump condemned Roy Moore's campaign in Alabama and keep in mind, they, this is the same Trump family that was basically praising Roy Moore originally. Do you remember? Yeah. And Roy Moore is a known underage sexual predator. Like he's he's been predatory on all these underage girls. So originally the Trump family was all backing him. But when it got too overwhelming that they could no longer defend the fact that he was a sexual predator, then they flipped against him. So Ivanka Trump was condemning Roy Moore after the whole family had been like promoting him for like over a year. Um, and she said, just like a, how she said, white supremacy is the, the biggest evil and must be rooted out. Uh, so she says there's a special place in hell for people who prey on children talking about Roy Moore uh, and Steve Bannon, who backed Moore, who was still backing Moore at that time because he, he didn't get off the bus. He was still backing him just like the Trump family was responded by saying, what about the allegations about your dad and that 13-year-old girl? And, it, and New York Magazine correctly points out this was a clear reference to the woman in one of the Epstein-related lawsuits who had accused Donald Trump and Epstein of raping her when she was 13. That's pretty interesting that after meeting with Epstein, uh, Bannon would bring that up, responding directly to Ivanka. So I don't know what that means, but that's pretty interesting. Um, and I, and I would like to know more Nuts. about what he, what he meant by that. A another person surprisingly, um, that had been seen with Epstein later 
2016, so I guess it was two years before this, but um, Ehud Barak, the former prime minister oh, yeah. um, of Israel. Yeah. You know, uh, he was seen hiding his face as he entered his mansion. Um, and this was crazy. long after he got out of prison. I mean, let's just start with, uh, you know, these are all mostly just like household names and people that that you would likely recognize. I won't mention the ones we've already mentioned, but yeah, David Blaine. Um, he did private magic show at Epstein's mansion. Um, over a dozen young women were present uh, and were introduced to the crowd at Epstein's mansion as Victoria's Secret models. He was doing magic for Sergey Brin, Mort Zuckerman, Bill Clinton, and Doug Band at Epstein's um, place. And the dinner was organized by Ghislaine Maxwell. So I'll continue on with this gigantic list. Other people who are found in, to in Epstein's Black Book, and I'll mention if there have other known connections to Epstein besides being in his Black Book. Um, and being in his Black Book just means phone numbers, addresses, contact information. Tony Blair, Michael Bloomberg, the Sultan of Brunei, um, who goes back to our interview with John Schwartz uh, from The Intercept about Elliot Abrams. Sultan of Brunei was involved in the Iran-Contra scandal. Richard Branson, Steven Pinker, and Richard Dawkins, both of them flew on the Lolita Express to a TED Talk sponsored by Epstein. Naomi Campbell. Um, who's also photographed <laughs> with Epstein's one of Epstein's alleged victims, Virginia Guffrey. Um, that's a very bizarre, just like Prince Andrew. Carter Graydon, the editor of Vanity Fair, who allegedly killed Vicky Ward's original expose on Epstein. That's interesting because Vicky Ward was also photographed attending a party with Ghislaine Maxwell in 2008. So she's now saying that the Vanity Fair editor killed a story where she was going to expose Epstein in 2003 but yet she's palling around with Ghislaine Maxwell in 2008. So I'm not sure what to think about Vicky Ward after I learned that information. That needs to be explored more deeply. That was pointed out by Gumby for Christ on, uh, on Twitter. More names. Phil Collins, David Copperfield. Um, notice a pattern here. Two magicians accused of rape or sexual assault. Um, actually, both of them were accused of drugging women, David Copperfield and David Blaine. Oh, yeah. And, and the note Epstein left in his black book calls Copperfield Magic David. Uh, Katie Couric, um, who attended the Prince Andrew dinner at Epstein's house. Bill Cosby. Um, he also lived directly across the street from Epstein's Manhattan penthouse. Andrew Cuomo. Janice Dickinson, who I think is also one of Bill Cosby's rape victims, oddly enough. Um, Minnie Driver. Ralph Fiennes. Steve Forbes. Tom Ford. Mark Getty the co-founder of Getty Images, George Hamilton, Chelsea Handler, the a comedian, attended the Weird. Prince Andrew dinner. Stephen Hawking photographed at a barbecue on Pedophile Island in the Virgin Islands. Epstein personally oh, modified no. a submarine so that Hawking can board it and go underwater. Dustin Hoffman, Elizabeth Hurley, who was also infamously rumored to have been flown to the White House to fuck Bill Clinton on his personal invite, according to actor Tom Sizemore in a secret recording. Look that up. Mick Jagger, Ted Kennedy, John Kerry, Aidan Khashoggi, an Iran-Contra-connected Saudi arms dealer who sold his yacht to the Sultan of Brunei, and the Sultan of Brunei later flipped it to Donald Trump himself. Henry Kissinger, wow. um, who also served on the Council of Foreign Relations with Epstein. David Koch. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry, David Koch, 
Courtney Love, Rupert Murdoch, Itzhak Perlman, Joan Rivers, Maria Shriver, Chuck Schumer, Kevin Spacey, Ken Starr. <laughs> or Kevin Spacey was also on the Lolita Express flight logs. What? George Stephanopoulos attended Prince Andrew Dinner hosted by Epstein in 2010. Larry Summers, former head of the Treasury, uh, Ivana Trump, Ivanka Trump, and Melania Trump are all in his black book. Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah, right? If he wasn't close to Trump, why did he have his whole family in yeah. there? <laughs> Ivanka. Um, Chris Tucker, also wow. a close personal friend of Michael Jackson. Mike Wallace and Bob Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein's brother. Um, so this is just a sampling, and I'm really only naming off to you the household names. Um, there's a lot more people in here that are rich and powerful people that you probably wouldn't recognize the names of. Go look at the New York Mag article. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, we'll look at the it. Black Book yourself. Try some of those phone numbers in the Black Book. It's been unredacted. See if some of them still work. Maybe some of them still do. Where was this Black Book found again? Uh... I want to say it was found in the raid, but it might have already been like an un like a sealed document from court filings before or or this case before. I actually don't know. Because oddly enough, the raid that took place, um, there was drone footage that had captured a flyover of, of the, the Virgin Islands on, raid. You're talking about? Yeah, exactly. The Pedo Island home yeah. that showed a hard drive and computer sitting on a desk that mysteriously disappeared before the raid took place. So you can see this flyover of a drone showing clearly there's a giant computer and hard drive and then it's gone Well, this um, in the next flyover before the raid happened. So, you know, again, just cleaning up. This is something that's actually really odd that someone like conspiracy loose, you know, sleuth type people were like, why is... Why is his mansion not being raided or, or sealed off as a crime scene? Well, sorry, not his mansion, his Virgin Islands compound. His Palm Beach mansion was sealed off as a crime scene. It was like locked down. Um, you go, if you go to it now, there's like a, a sign on the door saying it's been like seized by the FBI. Oddly, this whole time he's been sitting in jail until like the day or the day after he died, People who were monitoring his Virginia Islands compound, photographing it, you know, sending drones or whatever, noticed that his, all of his employees were still just freely walking around the compound, doing cleanup, um, you know, like what taking care hell? of the grounds. So during that time period, it's been like a month, over a month since he'd been arrested. Easily, all the evidence from that compound could have been destroyed. So for some reason. Well, and apparently some of it was. Well, that I mean, I think that's perfectly plausible. I haven't seen that photograph myself, but that makes total sense because we already know that it wasn't locked down as a crime scene. So the question wow. becomes why? Why was his Virgin right. Islands compound that isn't under U.S. law, you know, he probably thought he can get away with more crime there. Why wasn't that deemed a crime scene and locked down and like raided by law enforcement? That's That doesn't make sense. And you have to remember... This is under the Trump administration, the Justice Department. Trump at any time could have said, FBI, go raid his compound. What was going on there? I have a feeling there was a deliberate, somebody's hands were being tied, essentially. I don't know how it happened. I don't know who gave the order, but that's very unusual that they would only like raid one of his properties. There, there's not really an explanation for why that only one of them was raided. Maybe his Manhattan property was also raided, but this one definitely was not raided for at least a month. So you have it to wonder like why. It seemed like it was just a half-assed attempt to just like appease the public. Like, oh, we're, you know, 
we raided his property, but then not mentioning that he has like multiple other properties. Exactly. Um, yeah. Very disturbing. I I mean, you've kind of you mentioned this, but I think it's important to just reiterate that given all the Daily Beast's coverage of the Epstein scandal, as Gumby for Christ on Twitter pointed out, um, the Daily Beast founder, Tina Brown, hosted a party um, with with Maxwell, with Jaylene. What's what, how do you say her name? Jaylene? Uh, I don't know. We, we're still we're still trying to figure that out. Jocelyn Maxwell, uh, it's just it's just crazy that you're you know you're hosting a party with Jeffrey Epstein's right hand man, and then just kind of omitting that from their coverage as much as they're trying to pretend like they were on top of the story and you know this other woman who co-hosted the story, the journalist who is now saying, oh, I tried to warn you all about this guy back in 2003. Well, why is it that you were with the woman who was engineering the sex trafficking operation? who we, everyone knew was romantically tied to Epstein. I'm sorry, you can't really feign ignorance on this one. So what's going on here? It's a problem, for sure. And, and Maxwell not only was at this house party with all these photos with the Daily Beast founder and the woman who claims that she tried to warn us, she's also at this um, summit in 2016 that was moderated by Tina Brown. She's also at the Daily Beast Innovators Summit in 2010. So this is an ongoing thing where she was pretty close with these people. You know, her dad being like a famous media mogul. But yeah, these people who are pretending like, oh, I, I had no idea who Maxwell was. I just thought she was a New York socialite. Well, really? Because she was always on the fucking arm of Jeffrey Epstein. Did that ever seem strange to you? Yeah, and also, like, I mean, even just her family connections i mean should make her an odd suspicious character to begin with let's just go into a little bit first who her father is her father was this famous guy named robert maxwell who mysteriously died in, under very weird circumstances in 1991 on the canary islands um and, and he apparently fell off his own boat his own yacht or something so this is from uh, wikipedia on November 5th, 1991, Maxwell was last in contact with the crew of his yacht, the Lady Ghislaine. Either he named it after his own daughter or she was named after his yacht. I don't know which one. At 4.25 a.m. local time, but was found to be missing later in the morning, Maxwell was presumed to have fallen overboard from the vessel, which was cruising off the Canary Islands, and his naked body was subsequently recovered from the Atlantic Ocean. The official ruling at an inquest held in December 1991 was death by a heart attack? combined with accidental drowning, although three pathologists have been unable to agree on the cause of his death at the inquest. He has been found to have been suffering from serious heart and lung conditions. Murder was ruled out by the judge, and in effect, so was suicide. He was buried on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. So... What? He was buried on... <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, it's not funny. It's actually, like, really bizarre that he actually does seem to have connections to the Mossad. So this is this is something that... You know, it was speculated for a long time, but it's now been basically proven. This is also from Wikipedia. The British Foreign Office suspected that Maxwell was a secret agent of a foreign government, possibly a double agent or a triple agent, and a thoroughly bad character and almost certainly financed by Russia. He had known links to the British Secret Intelligence Service, to the KGB, and to the Israeli Intelligence Service, the Mossad. Six serving and former heads of Israeli intelligence services attended Maxwell's funeral in Israel, while Israel Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir eulogized him and stated, he has done more for Israel than can today be said. 
Shortly before Maxwell's death, a former employee of Israeli's military intelligence directorate, Al Ben Menashe, approached a number of news organizations in Britain and the U.S. with the allegation that Maxwell and the Daily Mail's foreign editor, Nicholas Davies, were both longtime agents for the Mossad. Fascinating. So I guess an old Daily Mirror foreign editor, Nicole's, Nicholas Davies, was also implicated to be in the Mossad. <laughs> So it's just really weird that she's this sort of British socialite uh, connected to this like really, you know, strange sort of deep state figure, Robert Maxwell. And here she is running this blackmail slash child sex trafficking ring for Jeffrey Epstein. So I guess that's how we'll introduce her in this segment. So why don't you talk about some other things? involving her yeah and and i know there's a lot more to say about robert maxwell his media ties and also just this deep state connection and or the Mossad connections which we're going to go over with whitney webb so stay tuned for that second part of the epstein story it goes really deep and it's a lot of layers there so we're going to get into that but um it's just too much to do on this one even just lane thinks that her dad didn't commit suicide she said this on record that she thinks he was killed Clearly, it makes sense when you look at the fact that he was an intelligence asset. It's crazy that her dad is who he is. You know, how does this British socialite whose dad was connected in all this deep state activity go on to be the henchwoman for, you know, a, a famous pedophile who ended up committing all these crimes over the decades? I guess it's not that hard to make this connection when you realize that, you know, these people get away with shit all the time. Um, these are the people who are in control of our society. She arrived in New York City in the early 90s um, on the cusp of turning 30. Before then, God knows what she was doing in Britain, um, you know, with the connections of her father and her family and whatever. We just know that she comes from, like, very high circles and that she was high up in these institutions, you know, Oxford, etc. So she comes to America when he bought the New York Daily News in 1991 as his emissary. Um, it's unclear how she linked up originally with Epstein, but by 1992, her and Epstein were already, like, romantically linked. So she did have a romantic relationship with Epstein. I think the first time that they were actually documented together was at a Mar-a-Lago party! Wow, how, how amazing! Um, where they, they went to Palm Beach. That, I, 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 that might even be where you see Trump and Epstein ogling women together. Um... So I don't know how long they were together before that, but she was there, like you said, and she was definitely linked with him at that time. Um, the girls that were solicited by Maxwell told the lawyers that they actually thought Maxwell was Epstein's part-time girlfriend who wanted them around to like satiate his sexual requirements, which is really strange. So it wasn't like... They didn't think it was entirely platonic. They thought that she was still actually engaging in, in sexual activities with Epstein still. She was also allegedly running all of his properties and managing his properties. She never cited on any documents that she had a job. Every time she would, like, give campaign contributions or do anything with her fake shell nonprofit, it would be just, like, either unemployed or retired. But I think that it is proven um, or alleged with some evidence that she was running all of the properties for Epstein and managing, you know, all of his mansions. Um, and maybe this nonprofit was a shell so she can funnel some of the money through. She claimed she took no salary from it. In 2003, in a Vanity Fair profile, 
um, she was quoted as his best friend. And now I'm reading from The Cut magazine. Um, Maxwell, 57, was luring women and girls in Epstein's web in court documents. Um, the accusers alleged that she acted as a recruiter, an instructor, and in some cases a participant. So I guess there were instances of her participating in the abuse. Guffrey claims that Maxwell recruited her on behalf of Epstein when Guffrey was only 16 years old as a spa attendant at Mar-a-Lago. Again, going back to Mar-a-Lago, where Epstein has a home in Palm Beach, but much of her grooming um, came from Maxwell herself. And you see this cited over and over again, where Maxwell is the one who's out there on, you know, on the prowl, um, getting these girls groomed properly and getting them ready uh, to hand over for, for rape essentially. But when you talk to all these kind of high-profile socialites in New York, like a lot of them are in, in the little black book on that New York mag profile, um, a lot of them were just like, we had no idea what the fuck she even did. You know, um, she was just this high-class um, socialite who would just like talk, you know, really engaging intellectual conversations. Everyone was like, we just really thought she was a fascinating person. She liked going on submarines, oddly enough. I wonder if she did that with Stephen Hawking. Um, just like really passionate about the oceans, you know, really passionate about environmental conservation. Um, but one investment banker described her job, quote, her job was to jazz up his social life by getting fashionable young women to show up. So this is kind of the pleading ignorance of all these people who were involved in these broader circles just being like, oh, I thought Maxwell was just like her job was just to bring the ladies. Um, yeah, no shit. She called herself a mother hen. Um, she called the victim she was curating for Epstein her children. This is according to multiple victims. How disgusting is that to actually say like, I'm your mother hen and you're all my children. You know? Um, one witness accuser, Johanna Schoberg, recalled in a deposition, this is in Rolling Stone, um, that Maxwell appeared on the campus of Palm Beach Atlantic University, a small private Christian school, in February, March of, of, of 2001. And she approached and asked if I could tell her how to find work at someone's house. And then it asks this question. It says, how is a Christian college freshman to suspect a woman who'd spoken the Queen's English was out on virgin hunting? <laughs> um, textbook grooming commenced. She took her on a shopping trip to, like, very posh stores, a visit to the mansion, and then, of, of course, a week later, that call would you like to earn $100 to perform a massage? Um, soon after that, she was found being asked to strip, laying on the massage table herself. Um, and then in a few months, uh, that's when the threesomes started. Allegedly with Ghislaine, Maxwell was involved in like actual threesomes. So she was an active participant in, in um, the actual sex, which is surprising. In the latest documents, one Manhattan billionaire's butler recalled encountering an unnamed 15-year-old Swedish girl who told him that Maxwell took her passport after, re after she refused to have sex with Epstein on Jeffrey's private island. Um, so, she, so she pulled like a Saudi billionaire that they do to like the maids, like the domestic workers who go and live with them. She pulled that shit and actually took the passport of one of these girls as a punishment and just trapped her on the island. And the girl says like she blacked out and like doesn't even remember what happened after that. She was shaking uncontrollably. She couldn't remember how she got off the island back to the US. So what the fuck happened there? Wow. Um, wow, wow. One last thing, that same victim, Johanna Schoberg in Vanity Fair, 
said, um, you know, again, Maxwell approached around college campuses, the same kind of story, but this is what was left out of the other articles that Epstein once told this victim, quote, he needed to have three orgasms a day. It was biological, like eating. What so, the fuck? I mean, what, he can't jerk off? What a yeah, fucking psychopath. Robbie, he needed to have sex with 14-year-old girls. Um, it's biological, Robbie. It's human nature. Don't you get it? Alan so Dershowitz bizarre. gets it. Why don't you? So nuts. So nuts. I so mean, that's, it, just, it just doesn't even make Maxwell sense. That's Maxwell in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, she's here in L.A. She's kind of almost wanting the photo op. Well, before we mention that, let's talk about what happened right after all this, uh, after Epstein's death. So even after his arrest, people were like, where is Ghislaine Maxwell? Like, why isn't she also being charged? Why isn't she being indicted? Why isn't she being arrested? No one knew where the hell she was. So for the last like month or so, people have all just been speculating that she was dead. Like even before Epstein got killed, it was like, oh, they offed her or, or she left the country or something. Um, so she was basically mysteriously absent after the arrest and also after the death. Um, and right after the death, a bunch of reports started coming out saying that um, she was staying near her alleged boyfriend's house in a New England mansion. Um, and this is from the Daily Mail. It says she was apparently staying with her boyfriend, Scott Borgerson, 43, a tech CEO who owns a company called Cargo Metrics. Described as, quote, an investment management firm that specializes in, in analyzing data on global shipping. <laughs> in the Daily Mail, photographed Borgerson walking her dog and also interviewed neighbors in the area who not only said that she lived there, but the two were actually a couple. Um, and since that story came out, Borgerson, the CEO of this dumb tech company, has completely denied everything, any connection to her or anything. Even though people were photographing and actually talked to neighbors uh, in the area who were like, oh, yeah, she's here. Nobody actually saw her there. And then all of a sudden, uh, she pops up in Universal City in uh, Southern California, um, down in, in, near Hollywood. And it seemed almost like she was, I mean, didn't it seem like to you she was almost purposely trying to get photographed by paparazzis? Absolutely. And I mean, it seemed completely deliberate. Purpose. Yeah, read what does what yeah. the actual books say the book of honor the secret lives and deaths of cia operatives yeah she's like looking directly at the camera almost like she's posing like she waited at the in and out burger in southern california for a paparazzi or someone to come and photograph her seems like a total on-purpose photo op and it seems also like a troll that she's fucking whole reading this book i mean right what what, what does she mean does she think, is she trying to say Epstein was a CIA agent? I mean, because that's what uh, Alex Acosta said he's intelligence. What kind of intelligence, foreign or domestic, or both? I mean, shit's gotten so weird in the world today that, like, if the Mossad is operating in the United States, you can guarantee that the CIA is not too far behind and probably likely working directly with them. Right. You know, we're, we're talking about the whole Israeli art student scandal. You know, a lot of that idea that there are all these agencies were battling with each other and not sharing information. I mean, maybe some of that even came out of the Israeli art student scandal because that really did seem to be happening then. It's like, why was the CIA and the American government allowing all these Israeli agents, allegedly from the Mossad, to be acting with impunity, spying on all these other federal agencies? It's very strange. 
it seems almost like someone else from the American government authorized that. Because how could that be possible? How is that even happening? I mean, it it really does raise a lot of questions about like the level of being allowed that they were actually allowed to perform that type of surveillance in the United States. So, I mean, who knows what the fuck she's trolling this for? Maybe she thinks her dad uh, was some kind of double agent. You know, she like you said earlier, she thinks her dad was assassinated. And Mm -hmm. we know that he has Mm -hmm. these bizarre intelligence connections. The British government thought he was a triple agent. This shit just gets weirder and weirder. I mean, this is weirdness piled on top of weirdness. It brings all these sort of loose, you know, vague conspiracy theories together into this very real concrete thing. But it's still that's the creepy thing is it's still very opaque. You don't really know what's really going on. And I I don't think we'll ever know. That's the problem. We're left hanging with this mystery, but we have all these threads we can connect, but they, we can only really connect them so far and we, until we hit like a total brick wall. Um, I'm blown away by how many threads there are in the Epstein thing. It just keeps going every day. It gets weirder and weirder. Um, you just can't make this shit up. I mean, reality is stranger than fiction, man. And, and just so people know, we did take a break in the middle of recording this episode uh, and we, we started the next day. So a couple stories have actually come out in the last 24 hours. So why don't you kind of give us an update on what was discovered about like Epstein's last moments or in jail and and some of that news that came out. Yeah, sure. So I just saw this. uh, This is from Forbes. The day after he was taken off suicide watch, uh, Epstein spent at least two hours locked up alone with a young woman in a private room reserved for inmates and their attorneys according to another attorney who was visiting the prison. Quote, the optics were startling because she was young and pretty, said the visiting attorney. Um, da, da, da. He speculated the woman could be a lawyer. Um, but the weirder thing is that the fact that they allowed him to do this, you know, and that Epstein was paying members of his team to sit with him in a room for eight hours a day to avoid his cell for these attorney-client meetings. And they would go on for all day, every day. Because he was just, you know, he has like an unlimited amount of money. Doesn't sound like um, a suicidal visiting... person to me. Exactly. It sounded like he thought he was getting the fuck out of there, sounded man. sounded like an egomaniac um, who thought he was probably fine. Yeah, and it was actually really um, distressing for all the other inmates because they were like, you can't, he was, t- he was hoarding all the time. The time that's allotted for prisoners to meet with their attorneys, he was just hoarding that all. So he's just a disgusting egomaniac, clearly not ready to kill himself. Clearly not ready to, to choke himself to death and break the bones in his neck, right? <laughs> There's a lot of conflicting reports, but it is like we were saying earlier in the episode. It is a lot more common to have those broken neck bones that he had from homicide and actually very uncommon with suicide. And like we were saying before, most successful like self-hanging suicides are done with, you know, mostly with the aid of gravity. That's why people hang themselves from second story balconies or the ceiling. Um, this in the prison cell, it was only eight feet tall. Uh, I think Epstein's like a six six two or something. He's not a short guy, so he really would have had to induce the strangulation manually on himself to a large degree. And also, the stupid new reports coming out. Some of these medical experts are saying that he likely jumped from the top bunk to snap his neck somehow. I mean, that just seems completely cartoonish to me. Um, 
unbelievable. Jump, imagine jumping from the top bunk of a bunk bed to try to hang yourself. That'd be like a that'd be like one of those tragic comedy scenes and you know one of those like dark comedy movies of someone trying to hang themselves and failing. Like the like the the first episode of Legion where he tries to hang himself from the lamp on the ceiling and it just like pulls out of the ceiling. He falls to the ground. Literally does not seem plausible in any way. It's not. No. And and somebody on Twitter just asked me a question like, why is the media kind of stri- seemingly stoking some of these conspiracies? And then some people in the media are like trying to shame anybody from, you know, talking about this like it's a conspiracy, like he was assassinated. I don't I don't fucking know the answer to that. I think it's really strange the way the media is doing both simultaneously, the mainstream media. Um, that is very unusual. So I don't really know what to make of that, honestly. Uh, it's it is very fascinating. I don't think that we're ever going to get answers. We never do for these types of things. Um, you know, like we started off the episode mentioning that it's, it's the most high profile, mysterious death that's probably ever happened in our lifetime. Um, and we're not going to know who did it. Yeah, I was actually powerful people involved. I was actually thinking, who's the other most high-profile, mysterious death in our lifetime? And I would say maybe like Bin Laden, but that's even weirder. I mean, a lot of I mean, we already covered that years and years ago, but that was the only one yeah, that well, came to mind made for the, me. Someone made the joke. They were like, Epstein wanted to have his body thrown in the ocean in accordance with Islamic law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember how we woke up to the news that Bin Laden was dead and we were like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And then and then the next news report was like the funeral was like in the ocean to honor his faith. It was just like, pardon me? But yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's more stuff we're missing because, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on and it goes so deep. Um, we'll hopefully follow up with all the other contextual things about um, Maxwell's family and um, other in- intelligence kind of ties to this with Whitney but I feel like we we covered a lot um and yeah it's it's truly shocking like how many people who have been outed as predators are involved in this it is that Um, that to me is one of the more interesting parts about just mm -hmm. if you isolate it to that is that there's a lot of crossover not just in his black book but his own connections to like people we already know are sexual predators it just reinforces a lot of what we can already who have already suspected so that to me is really interesting. But I think, you know, if you zoom out from this, one of the things we really haven't talked about, because it's it really does go into the realm of pure speculation, is what was Epstein actually doing? What was he blackmailing people for? Just for his own personal or financial advantage? It seems like it was something more than that. And I do think people who are speculating that there could have been some kind of intelligence involvement in this are not being crazy, are not being paranoid, that it seems to me likely that at the very least he would sell this information or he was used as an intelligence proxy of some kind by possibly various networks, you know, possibly U.S. intelligence um, maybe Israeli intelligence, right. UK intelligence. I mean, if there's Prince Andrews involved, um, Ghislaine Maxwell, I mean, you know, her her dad was a, allegedly um, MI6 or a triple agent, one of his, you know, of the three agencies he was part of. So we, we need to we need to take that stuff seriously and not like brush it off as just like crazy conspiracy because Absolutely. I mean, 
if you want to really delve into this idea that politicians and powerful people are blackmailed so that they do certain things or that they get in line, I mean, this is like the closest thing we have to something resembling that that's actually might actually be taking place in this country and, and around the world to various powerful figures. And it's something you don't really think about. It's like we only hear about it in the trope of, oh, they got all the Congress people blackmailed and, you know, they got all the dirt on all the politicians. But this puts a whole new spin on that concept where it seems like Epstein had dirt on like tons of just really powerful people all across the spectrum, finance, fashion, music, culinary, famous chefs are in this list. Not Gordon Ramsay, luckily, but other famous chefs are. I'd be really pissed because I'm, I'm actually a big Gordon Ramsay fan. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it really does cross over seemingly the whole spectrum of like pop powerful people, which is really fascinating. I mean, Ehud Brock, you know, visiting him way after he got out of jail. Very weird. So many weird ways you can you can analyze this. And uh, yeah, I guess that's where I'll leave it because I don't really I, I could I could speculate forever, but. I would like people to come to their own conclusions on this and to investigate it themselves and also be very cautious when looking at certain researchers who talk about Epstein. Are they pro-Trump loyalists? If they are, it's very likely they are inadvertently or advertently doing some kind of limited hangout about the Epstein case. Um, are they Clinton loyalists? Don't trust their analysis. In this case, it's really important to trust people, not people who don't have bias of course we abby and i are openly biased we we we, you know we don't we wear our political ideologies on our sleeve but at the same time like we're not loyal to any of these politicians we're not like partisan loyalists so be really careful trusting any analysis about epstein from partisan loyalists be really careful about anything that comes from the cernovich gateway pundit Eric Prince, Infowars orbit about this because they're they are literally running interference for Trump and any right wingers who are involved in this, including Dershowitz. They're not just protecting Trump; they're also protecting Dershowitz. Keep that in mind. I yeah. mean that that's a really big deal. He's accused right. of rape. Right. He was his, he was his lawyer. He was his defense attorney. Yep. So you really got to be suspicious of anybody who's trying to protect Dershowitz in this whole bigger scheme of things, if they're seriously looking into Epstein, um, that's a real red flag. So just be cautious out there. Um, look for truth, actual truth tellers who are not Trump or Clinton loyalists. Well put. Well put. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I'm sure there's other things we're missing. Fill in the gaps on the SoundCloud timeline. We'll put that New York Mag article up there as well. Uh just nuts you know i mean we just have to keep asking questions and and keep pushing for the truth you know don't feel bad or feel shamed for questioning things i don't know how you could even like pressure the truth in this instance because there's so many people involved it's not like just the saudi royals or just princes you know this is like everyone like anyone could have done it and everyone has the motivation to do it so this is why conspiracy theories like Pizzagate flourish. It's like there are sex trafficking rings. Yeah, and I think I think it's important that people, instead of imagining pedophile conspiracies where there's no proof of a crime or no eyewitness testimony, need to look if, – if that's your hobby, like if you're really obsessed with the idea of like elite pedophilia, you know, more power to you. Just try to focus on things that are actually real and provable crimes involving it. 
try not to focus as much on these ones where there is no proof of a crime, like Pizzagate. I, I will acknowledge Podesta's art, James Oliphant's Instagram page is very creepy. And I, you know, I, but I don't, I'm not going to draw conclusions from that, that these people are pedophiles. Um, that's a big leap to make. Um, and if you don't understand that, I think you're just not being very savvy about your researching. There's a big difference between looking into the Epstein case and taking all these logical leaps with Pizzagate, you know, because it feels good or you think you know the truth or, you know, whatever. Um, just try to focus on ones where there are provable crimes. At the same time, it is a very salacious thing to think about sex trafficking and elites. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a very since, you know, headline grabbing thing. It, it's, it, it really hits you. But at the same time, remember that most pedophilia takes place in the home, in school, in the family. The overwhelming amount of documented cases of pedophilia and sexual abuse of, of underage children takes place from a family member, someone close to the family, a family friend. Just remember that, that 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 is like happening all over the country. It's it is a serious thing, um, but it's it's it really is a drop in the bucket. Like even all of Epstein's victims, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the real reality of like pedophilia in this country. So. Absolutely. And we encourage everyone to listen to our extensive Michael Jackson breakdown as well, because we kind of dive more into the issue of just sexual abuse uh, you know, the grooming techniques that sexual predators use. It's a really good episode that I'm really proud of that came after our obsession with leaving Neverland, which I'm sure a lot of people share after watching that. Uh, so yeah, check that out as well. It's a good accompaniment to this podcast. It and is, thanks for yeah. listening to Media Roots Radio. We know that times are hard right now. It is a lot to ask for people to support us in any way financially, but if you can spare anything every month, or even if you just want to do it for one month, please consider donating to Media Roots Radio th through Patreon at patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio. If you donate $20 and anything above that amount, we, we give out some pretty fun bonuses. If you donate $20, you get a instantly a, a digital, unlimited digital viewing code to my documentary series, A Very Heavy Agenda. And perhaps in the future, we'll also include a code for Gaza Fights for Freedom, the movie you just you just premiered, Abby. So absolutely. Let's uh, let's do that. And um, we're still trying to reach our goal of 500 patrons so that we can start releasing detailed show notes for every episode. Um, we're working towards that right now. So if you can help us get to that goal, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening and have a great day. Thanks so much, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>